The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they... Cancelled too soon? And welcome back to Cancelled Too Soon, the podcast where we review television series that lasted only one season or less. My name is William Bibiani. I am a film critic for Crave Online. Everybody calls me Bibbs. Everybody, except for the people on the Schmodown. Ooh. Who call you the beast. Ah, and been, the people on the Schmodown are about to call you the beauty, Mr. Seibold. <laughs> Who are you? My name is Whitney Seibold. I am also a film critic for Crave Online. I'm a film critic for Legion of Leia. I write essays for the New Beverly blog. Uh, when they'll have it, I write stuff for Nerdist.com. I'll write, I'll write for you. Yeah, he's kind of a big deal, and uh, if you don't know what the hell we're talking about, uh, mm. I compete on a movie trivia game show called The Schmodown. Well, it's called The Movie Trivia Schmodown. Right. Hosted uh, by the Schmozno Network out mm. of Collider. Yeah, so Christian Harloff, Mark Ellis, all those guys. Uh, and for the, about the last year or so, I've been a competitor on that league, and I've done... Uh, done rather well for myself. A couple about of a, shameful about losses. A d- dozen shows at this point, or eh, around there in various capacities, mm-hmm. and um, uh, it's a lot of fun. It combines movie trivia game shows with the tropes of wrestling. Uh, and uh, I have recently announced, and we'll get to the cancel too soon stuff in a minute. But I've recently well, announced. We're, we're excited that we, about this. So we're going to yeah, show this. We're, we're, we're Whitney is joining me. That's right. on our new team, which will be called critically acclaimed. Which uh, was, it was a producer's idea. Yeah. We, we went in and we were, you know, growling and saying, let's kick some ass. And they said, okay, well, here's how we're going to prime you. Uh-huh. And uh, very much like in The Princess Diaries, they gave us, you know, eyebrow plucks. And, mm-hmm. Hector Elizondo had to try on a bunch of different mm-hmm. outfits. And, and then we went mattress surfing. That was And cool. everything was great. Yeah. Oh, wait, that uh, was The Princess Diaries 2. You're going to do very well in this show. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe so. Um, so we, we made our big uh, debut as, as a team and just sort of announcing ourselves as a team uh, earlier this week. You can watch a video. It's us uh, doing what they call kayfabe, uh, in which we are very much in character and very angry mm. at the Four Horsemen and John Roca and Matt Nost in particular. And we yelled things, and you were condescending on cue. Oh, that's that's something I'm very good at. Yes, I, we I, know. I, can, I can condescend with the best of them. Uh, but we're very, very excited because uh, next week we're going to make our big debut uh, as competitors. Yep. And we're going to be competing against a group called Only Stupid Answers. Uh, which I feel is sort of tempting fate, but whatever. That's 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 you on know, them. It's it's a little it's a reverse psychology, kind of a double bluff. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I am William the Beast Bibiani. He is Whitney the Beauty Seibold, mm. and together we are critically acclaimed. We were thinking about calling ourselves canceled too soon because obviously branding. Yeah. But you know what? It's a TV thing, and this is a movie trivia show, and who knows? Maybe critically acclaimed something we can do something else with down the line. Yeah. Maybe um, so so uh, in any case. 
that's going to be a lot of fun, and we encourage you to check it all out. Whitney, do you have any uh, smack you would like to talk? Do you want to like practice you your, your talk smack muscles? When when I'm not on camera, mm-hmm. I, I want to keep smackless. Oh, I, I can I can mm-hmm. put you on camera. I mean, I oh, okay. Phone. Oh, okay. Here, okay. hold on. Okay, here. Okay, put, hold on. Put, hold put on. me on camera so I can get into character here. Okay. Like, I'm recording now. I'll see you next week. I'm going to find your mother and I'm going to eat her face and I'm going to spit it out on the table in front of you just to psych you out. Ultimate Warrior. How was that? <laughs> I was perfect. Thank Were you. you actually filming me? I was actually filming. Oh, I'm debating whether or not I'll post it because it was not a flattering <laughs> angle. <laughs> Um, so uh, that's also, what's going also on. I'm drinking a cup of tea, which takes the edge off. So of Tuesday it. afternoon uh, on the Movie Trivia Showdown, you look mm-hmm. at YouTube. We'll, we'll post the link on the Cancel Too Soon Twitter feed on Cancel Cast, uh, and you can see that there. Uh, the other thing uh, that we want to talk about real fast before we get started, as you know, we're on Patreon, patreoncom slash Cancel Too Soon. Uh, we have exclusive videos. We have all kinds of cool stuff, and we're going to announce uh, our latest poll at the end of this episode. But before we even get started, we do have new shirts that are available. That's right. In our store, uh, if you if you subscribe on Patreon at one of our upper echelon, our top uh, on our on our top level, you do get a free shirt, and you can decide to pick get one of the shirts we have now. So, in addition to shirts of me and Whitney Seibel as Mad Balls, shirts with our Cancel Too Soon logo, mm-hmm. we also have. A shirt that says, Ask Me About the 100 Lies of Blackjack Savage, which is the <laughs> ultimate conversation starter, and trust me, it works. Uh, Th- that that yeah. shirt will get you laid. I agree. And uh, we also have a shirt designed by Michelle Lapis, my wife, who is spectacular and really talented. Finally, we have a shirt for Rot Realty. We, we talked about on our episode for, it was either Doubt or Guilt, they're the same show. And uh, <laughs> it was doubt. It was for doubt. Yeah, uh, we, we 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 talked about two shows in not rapid succession, but kind of close to each other. One was called Doubt, and one was called Guilt. One was an investigation show, and one was a, a lawyer show. Yeah, and I of, because of that, they're constantly mixed up in my head. But it was for the TV show Doubt, the Catherine Heigl lawyer show, which is and back this summer. They're burning off their last few episodes, yeah, so and we will review the whole thing when it's we'll, done. We'll revisit it, and we'll yeah. go go back. To and doubt. we've learned our but, lesson, uh, and we won't rush it next time. <laughs> like it was canceled after two episodes, and we thought, hey. Hey, easy. Yeah. Oh, guess what? Yeah. Got it. That's on us. That's on us. So um, we were talking about just sort of an interesting angle for the show when we figured a, a fun thing to do would be have a dog, a talking dog lawyer, a little twist. Yeah. And we thought that the title of that show should be Rot Realty. So <laughs> we decided to, that made us giggle enough that we decided to turn it into a t-shirt. And now you can get a t-shirt you can of get a- Catherine Heigl and a lawyer dog. Uh, that dog st- makes me st- laugh. So standing much. next to each other, the, the dog is a little wall-eyed, the looks kind of like is, a dog. The dog and is the, so goofy looking, it's, and it's got a briefcase with papers falling out of it. Just makes me laugh. And it's wearing a suit that doesn't fit it, <laughs> and uh, and it's underneath it says "Rot Realty" with an exclamation point. Uh, ah. You get to explain that to everyone who sees the shirt. Uh, well, another great conversation starter. It, it brings up. It's actually a pretty good segue because, and, and I was about to say that yeah. this ties in with what we're covering this week because there's there's a trend that we've talked about on the show and we've explored it to some extent. We'll keep exploring it over time because it doesn't die of buddy cop shows and Mm. usually if you're going to have a buddy cop dynamic they're going to be mismatched in some way one of them is going to be very fastidious Mm. and the other one's going to be very slovenly that's the obvious example but then it gets weirder like man and machine is, is there an oscar and felix nypd like, like they just like, the odd, like literally the odd it's couple. Literally is, the odd couple, but they're cops. That sounds like a Hanna Barbera cartoon that they do. Like when mm-hmm. Laverne and Shirley joined the army. Yeah, there and they you had go. their own cartoon, which by the way we need to get to at some point because well, that was hilarious. Oh, we'll, we'll do Laverne and Shirley join the army um, at some point. But yeah. The Fonz was their mechanic. 
I don't know why that worked, but so so be it. Um, but there's this whole thing about you mismatch them, and, and it gets really, really broad after a while because people run out of ideas, and so there's a you, whole bunch you, of... You mentioned Man and Machine. Yeah, there's it's... a whole bunch of shows in which a human cop mm. has a partner who's a robot. Mm. So there's Man and Machine, there's Future Cop, mm. uh, there's Holmes and Yo-Yo, which we have not been able to track down in English yet. They released it in France, but without even English subtitles, nah. which is really annoying. Uh, we, we, all, we have the box for Almost Human. Yes, yes we, and Future Cop uh, as well. Uh, there's also the, the Total Recall television series, which for some reason was about a human and a cop teaming up. We'll get to that at some point. We might do that around the time Blade Runner comes out. Uh, so there's a ton of those, and there's a couple where a cop teams up with the dog, and it just makes me wonder, why aren't there more stuff where people team up with dogs? There's so many lawyer shows out there, why isn't there a lawyer show where people team up, with a, team up with a so dog? So Catherine Heigl and a dog uh. solve cases together as lawyers, my god it writes itself. There's no rule that says a dog can't be a lawyer. You're right, it was me, it was me. <laughs> he may be adorable, but he's still a lawyer. I would love to see just a classic episode of Perry Mason, but in <laughs> instead of Perry Mason, they just cut to reaction shots of like a German shepherd. You know what's funny? We had, we had the caveman sitcom, the Geico caveman sitcom, which eventually mm -hmm. we will get to on the show. We yeah. never had a caveman lawyer sitcom. The Phil Hartman it's SNL sketch that lends itself so much better to a sitcom, I feel, than just and we happen Although, to be cavemen and yeah. it's friends. At least caveman lawyer, you can hide behind genre dumb ideas and, and about was, you know murder and it mystery. A, it was a spoof of Matlock. You know, yeah. I'm I'm just a common country caveman. I don't know much about law. Yeah, I, or your I, society. Uh, I beat a saber toothed cat to death with a femur. <laughs> but this case is seeming a little weird to me. <laughs> So when we started Cancel Too Soon, we for our first very first episode, we wanted to do a something short, just mm. so that in case it didn't take off, we, we could, <laughs> it wasn't a huge time sink. But also, we wanted to do something really notorious, really terrible. And uh, what we decided on was a show called Puchinski, mm. uh, which was about a cop who died. And his soul got sucked into a was it a bull mastiff or no, like a it, bulldog? It, it was it was an English bulldog. An English bulldog. Yeah. P and P Peter Boyle's soul is transplanted into the body of an English bulldog, and he takes up his own old job as a cop immediately. Yeah, and he's paired up with his old partner played by George Newbern, mm. and um, it's a weird fucking show. Listen to that episode, and just like oh, there's so many things that are wrong with it, mm. but it is not the only talking dog cop show. For some reason. Okay. And uh, we uh, wanted to... We, we, go. <laughs> we knew we would eventually get to the other Talking Dog Cop show, and uh, this week, that's what we're doing. Here it is. Here it is. This is a little show, and oh my god, we're going to have so much fun telling you how weird this fucking show is. <laughs> this little show called Tequila and Bonetti. Tequila and Bonetti track a killer. Will a psychic secret vision help him? <laughs> or lead him into a deadly trap? <laughs> Tequila and Bonetti. Tequila and Bonetti. Mm. So the the, the, the premise yes. of the show. Yeah. Of Tequila and Bonetti. Uh, Nico Bonetti, mm -hmm. of the title, is a Brooklyn cop. Mm -hmm. He uh, has just recently shot and killed by accident mm -hmm. a 12-year-old girl yes. in the streets of Brooklyn. He is devastated, and the uh, precinct is so angry at him <laughs> that they don't fire him. Mm. <laughs> they even they even say like they they looked into it and it was called a quote unquote righteous kill. Like yeah, it wasn't like, like it wasn't his fault. It could have happened to anybody. Like, I, I, the, the, we we learned that like she was wielding a gun and yeah. No, was, I don't think or, we do. Was, was that it or No. No, I don't I just, think it was. I think it was just we, bullshit. Yeah, oh yeah, we never really on the specific 
uh, I think it was a stray bullet or something. Yeah, something happened. Like he yeah. did, he didn't like do it out of you know the coldness yeah. of his heart. He just he accidentally killed a twelve year old girl, and so they say we can't have you be around here anymore. So we're going to transfer you. We're going to transfer you all the way to quote South coast, California, which is long beach. It's long beach or Santa Monica. Like yeah, one of them. It's, Venice, it's, it's, any, any sort of Southern California beach mm-hmm. community. It's, it's kind of like long beach meets Venice, California. Mm-hmm. It's, I think it's shot in Santa Monica. <laughs> it's definitely and, shot in Santa Monica. Some mm-hmm. shots are in Venice beach. And if mm-hmm. you're, if you're from Los Angeles, you know that those are very different communities. Mm-hmm. Santa Monica is much more the very touristy sort of upper crusty. It's, it's, it's got, of, it's got like a Ferris wheel, like it, it, it's a big sort of fun ride. There are parts of it that are as trashy as the trashy areas of Venice, but it so wants to be Beverly Hills. Whereas Venice Beach, and Venice Beach is fun. Uh, Venice <laughs> Beach is where all the kooks go. Yeah. That's, and it's a bunch of weird... That's where you get all your weed. Yeah, you can get we can get weed card and your weed same day, same minute. <laughs> uh, you can like buy like grains of rice with your name engraved yeah, on them and get henna like, tattoos the, uh, like it's it that's the fun one if you've seen uh you know shots of california and there's that guy in the turban on the roller skates with the guitar that's harry perry and harry yeah. perry hangs around venice boardwalk yeah uh, so, so he's he's, he's so sent to he's a, a, a italian brooklyn very broad stereotype italian new york cop mm-hmm. who now is in los angeles and he has to figure out this weird kooky world of los angeles he's peered mm-hmm. up with a uniform beat cop played by Mershka hargi yeah, uh, that's uh, uh, Officer Garcia. Mm-hmm. You know Mariska uh, Hargitay from uh, Law and Order. Law and Order SVU. Yeah, she's yeah. Olivia Benson on Law and Order SVU. This was one of her uh, first big roles, mm-hmm. yeah. and she's playing a, a cop here as well. Uh, his superior is played by Charles Rocket from Saturday Night Live. Uh, you also know uh, him from Dumb and Dumber and Earth Girls Are Easy. Mm-hmm. Um, he's great. He's stock, such a good fun actor. Stock, funny, handsome, comedic actor. Yeah, uh, he pl- and he's. He's always in like the most fantastic suits. Yeah, he's like, he's like he, the... he wears a like a salmon suit with a pink shirt and like a, a Pollock inspired tie. It's it's like and he has an earring. Like they're desperately trying to like sort of subvert the sort of angry Captain paradigm with that character. Yeah, they're turning into sort of a flashy. He's captain. actually kind of the best character on the show. And, and, and oh, he, by the way, we he's forgot also, to mention he's also an ins- an aspiring screenwriter. He's like oh, yeah. a, a showbiz type, so he's always talking about sort of the the shows he's working on. Yeah. Uh, and, oh, we forgot to mention. Oh, that. Nico uh, Benetti is played by uh, actor Jack Scalia. Jack Scalia, yeah. Yeah, who, uh, he was on Magnum P.I. I'm sorry, not Magnum P.I. I'm thinking of Donald P. Bellazaro. Uh, He was on (laughs) Remington Steel. He was on Dallas. Uh, He played Joey Buttafuoco in Casualties of Love, the Long Island (laughs) Lolita story. Yes, he did. Yeah, and he was in the Jersey Shore Shark Attack. Which oh, no I've kidding. actually seen. Oh, wow. It's not very good. Okay. So, um, yeah, and Jack Scalia is, yeah, is Nico Benetti. And so those are the three lead characters. Uh, now, well, three of the uh, four lead three characters. of the four lead characters. It's it's a fish out of water show, and uh, it, that's enough. But the producer of the show, Donald P. Belisario, yeah. who created all the shows you love, he was Magnum PI, uh, Airwolf, Quantum the, the, the Leap, Jag, yeah, NCIS, or not the A Team, but yeah, Jag, NCIS. Yeah. He, he he was behind had a hand in a lot of really successful shows. Uh, I guess that wasn't enough. He decided he needed a, a gimmick, so there's also a talking dog. Yes. So here's, okay. So, 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 so. That was a roundabout way. Here's, there's two things going on here. One is burying the lead, but, uh, yeah. One thing that's going on here is you have a yet another TV show that mm. feels like we're just going to, like, take a couple of popular movies and shove them together. So let's take mm. Beverly Hills Cop and combine it with Turner and Hooch and mm. let the dog talk like in Look Who's Talking Now, which I don't even think it came out yet. 
Well, look who's talking was definitely an influence. Yeah, look who's on the talking show. because the whole thing is the audience can hear the dog talk. No mm. one in the show can. Yeah, it's it's like Garfield. You, yeah, you hear the dog's thoughts. The dog is tequila. Mm-hmm. The opening credits uh, only credits tequila as with tequila as the dog. I'm uh-huh. sure tequila was played by a battery of different. Dogs. He was played by like five different dogs. Yeah, because the, that's what happens when you have like mm. a show with a lot of complicated animal acts. You have like dogs that are trained to do specific things. Yeah, like, this dog-, dog is trained to go fetch. This mm-hmm. dog is trained to like have good facial. Experience. Expressions mm. and like do stuff on cue. Yeah. Um, so, no, but there- yeah, tequila is a French mastiff. Yeah. So you've got that. Mm. You've got Beverly Hills Cop meets Turner and Hooch meets Look Who's Talking. And from a sort of contemporary perspective, mm. think about what this show is. <laughs> Every time you look at the news and you see a cop, a white cop, who has killed. An unarmed black person, child, mm. they doesn't go to jail for it, doesn't even go to trial for it, and just gets whisked away to not just another precinct, but the best possible precinct where he gets a talking animal friend mm. and gets to have wacky shenanigans and gets a hero-worshipping show about him. What in the fuck? Yeah. Um, it, it, the, it was always fucked up, but like the, now you just look at him like, what the fuck yeah, is it's, happening? It doesn't sit well. No. Uh, especially, uh, it, it didn't. Look, I was around in 1992. Mm. I remember the Rodney King riots pretty this was, well. This was bad timing this for that. This was real bad. It's, this show was playing while that happened, yeah. while the trial was going on. Pretty so tone deaf. That could have been one of the reasons why it didn't last very long. Maybe the main reason it didn't last very long. Well, the talking dog thing is is a little bit more graceful than you might think. Um because I think the character, the human characters are actually pretty strong. Yeah, that's the thing. For me, it's the talking dog often feels superfluous. Like, this would mm-hmm. actually be an okay cop show yeah, the, if it the, weren't for... The dog is completely unneeded. For the most the part. Scenario, there's a couple yeah. episodes where the dog really helps out. But for the most part, mm-hmm. you don't need the dog. Uh, it's it's really, really weird, though, because on one hand, just the whole premise is, is, is flawed because mm-hmm. the protagonist... I mean, yeah, it, I'll say this. He feels bad. I mean, practically every episode mm. has a has a scene where he's like playing a piano, and yeah. then at the end he remembers that he killed a twelve year old, mm. and he cries. Yeah. And I'll give him a little credit for that because you could have just had this be his backstory and then move on. But the other problem is that it's a silly talking dog fish out of water show <laughs> and once or twice per episode they're going to remind you that the whole reason this is happening well, is because a twelve hold on is because right. a twelve year old has died to the extent that. Every episode begins with a cute little thing that happens. Oh, Detective Benetti is trying to arrest a magician on the boardwalk for grifting, and the magician gets out of the handcuffs and disappears. Ha ha ha. Tequila says something funny, and then the opening credits begin, and the opening credits begin with footage of him shooting a 12-year-old. Yeah, the opening credits, is, it's a, a skyline of Brooklyn, of New York. And we see, you know, the sort of very sad uh, saxophone is wailing in yeah. the background. And he's, and, he, he's, and he's crying into a rainy night, cradling the, the dead body of this young girl that he just murdered. And he this, feels terrible. It's at the beginning of every episode. This is the beginning of every episode. And then there's this sort of uh, video toaster effect where the, the image flips around. And now it's a sunny and, beach and full of ladies in bikinis. Yeah, sunny, beautiful California day. And we get this very colorful 1992 uh, upbeat theme song. It's just tonally crazy. And 
This was this aired. Uh, what were the actual dates on this? Uh, this, this aired in 1992. Yeah. Uh, this aired on CBS. Mm. Uh, opened on January 17th. Opposite, this is Garth Brooks. <laughs> Totally Hidden Video and a oh. double feature of the sitcoms Baby Talk and Perfect Strangers. I remember Totally Hidden Video. I watched that one. It lasted about four months. Actually, it lasted exactly four months. It ended up on uh, April 17th, 1992. Mm. Uh, it also aired after the TV special Michael Jackson, The Legend Continues. <laughs> Somehow couldn't keep that audience. Mm. Um, uh, and it aired right before Northern Exposure. I know this because... Uh, every episode we, ends we had with the next bumper, up on Northern yeah. Exposure. <laughs> So it, it was not necessarily in the best of company, but Northern Exposure was a huge hit. It was. So you'd think it could at least get some of that People, It's one of those huge hits that was mm-hmm. like everyone watched at the time and now no one talks about mm-hmm. it. Like, the only reason people remember 30-something is because that actual, that name caught on and people still say blankety-something. Yeah. No so one what, talks what, about when, Northern Exposure. When did it end? Uh, April 17th, 1992. Okay. The Rodney King verdict was April 29th, 1992. So the Ooh. Rodney King trial was going on during the entire run of this show. And there's going to be more stuff that sort of relates to that sort of police corruption, mm-hmm. intimidation. Like, there's a lot of episodes in this show that don't work. The other reason I think the show didn't work mm. is because it's, again, it's a wacky cop with talking dog show. Mm. Even if you can somehow get past cop shoots small child every episode... <laughs> Most of the episodes have elements that totally belie how family friendly that premise is. Yeah, when you think about, yeah, yeah. It's, when you think it's about actually Turner, kind of a serious cop show. <laughs> that's the weird thing. So, like, you think about like Turner and Hooch mm. or Top Dog or Rin Tin Tin. Mm. There's some melodrama there. Often the dog is endangered at some point, but they're pretty family friendly. There's something yeah. you can watch with the family. <laughs> like the second episode of Tequila and Benetti, we'll run them through all, all through for you. The second episode of Tequila and Benetti, the criminal of the week is a serial rapist. Yeah. Who, who sneaks into Garcia's house. And, yeah. And, she's, and she, because she's played by Mariska Hargitay, she's not playing it broad. She's actually a really intense actress. Yeah, that's And she thing. has a young daughter. She has a, so that, that's really like, threatened. I think it's like nine or ten. And, yeah. And yeah, so she has to protect her daughter. The daughter <clears throat> is played by a young actress who showed up in an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation the same year. No kidding. Yeah, she in, in the episode Imaginary Friend. There you go. Mm. Good for you. I, 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 you know what? When it comes out the same year, and you know, I've seen that show so much, and first of all, I have to bring up Star Trek every episode. You do. It's it's a, a, a duty of mine at this point. Yeah, it's a moral imperative. But, but you know what? I recognize, like, where have I seen that girl before? Oh, yeah, she was in Star Trek. And uh, she's only appears in two episodes, and in the other episode, she's played by a different actress, so it's notable. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's, uh, let's, let's get started. So the pilot episode of Tequila and Bonetti is actually not called Pilot, which is always one of my favorite things. <laughs> I always think it's lazy when your pilot episode is called Pilot. Name the fucker. I would love Unless to- there's a pilot in the episode and it's an important plot point. Yeah, yeah. Then it's okay. Or if it's a TV show about pilots. That would also be fine. Like I said, there's a pilot in the episode. Like, if, if the first episode of Airwolf was called Pilot, you can at least pretend. <laughs> that would be great. Uh, so the first episode is called Street Dogs. Mm. And and it pretty much just sets up the premise. Yeah, so it opens with Jack Scalia, Nico mm. Benetti, driving into South Coast, is it? South Coast, yeah. Uh, in his rose-colored Cadillac. Uh, this was 1992, and the 80s weren't quite dead yet, so we were living out a lot of things that were set up and were popular in the 1980s in terms of uh, premise and design. And the 1950s were all over the 1980s. Mm-hmm. Uh, I th- 
And people are asking, why were the 1950s all over the 80s? Some people theorize that it's because the screenwriters were that were working at the time were young in the 50s, and they figured that's what was working. Yeah. So there are a lot of greasers and a lot of references to sort of like 50s homey uh, suburbia in sure. 1980s entertainment, including 50s cars. And I think it just was, we were still living through the Reagan era. Mm-hmm. And there was all this sort of conservatism going on in the culture and the sort of vaunting of the 1950s. So there was a lot of uh, attempts in the media to kind of satirize it and take it down. Sure. I think there's more to it than that, though. I think there's yeah. a couple other levels to that. I think you're right. Mm. Um, I think but it also... I, I mention this because I think this is also in Tequila and Benetti. Of course. Yeah. yeah. No, I think it's in Tequila and Benetti. But I think what else is in Tequila and Benetti is the idea of... Uh, Benetti being more of a conventional mm. cop, like from older type cop shows. Yeah, so he's got like an old 50s. Yeah, yeah it just sells the fact car. that he's like sort of behind the times. Mm. But it also is a sort of a vestigial element of this this weird era in the 1980s. And you look at this in like movies like Black Rain or something, where like <laughs> the, the cop, the cool cop uh, in the movies mm. owned like a badass sports car. Yeah. Like they, because the thing with cops is they're not rich or. They're not supposed to be. They're, if you're, but they well, wanted to make all these how, badass how often, cops look cool, so they gave them cool cars in movies. Yeah, how often have you heard, how can, you, how can you afford blank on a cop's salary? Yeah. Exactly. So how can you afford classic car on a cop's salary? Your first thought should be, eh. But he turns out he inherited it from his father, so mm. they, they at least get around that. But it was just this trope in the 80s where badass cops drove really cool outlandish cars. I think it's a vestigial yeah. element of that. Well, uh, by the time we got to 1992, we were kind of turning that on ear a little bit. And I think this might go a long way to explain where Tequila and Benetti is, where, like, where it comes from. Because we had all this stuff during the 80s, and it was all kind of broad. And by the time we got to the 90s, it was getting a little stale. And that's when we started kind of spoofing it a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I think Tequila and Bonetti is one of those rare instances where it's supposed to be a satire of itself. We're going to do just sort of a straightforward fish-out-of-water cop show, but we're going to call attention to how boring it is by throwing in a talking dog. And we're kind of... This this is sort of what The Simpsons was getting at a lot. You know, it's a a typical sitcom, but Mm. they're animated and kind of weird. So it's kind of a a satire of sitcoms while also being a sitcom. I think Tequila and Bonetti at least from a conceptual standpoint, was trying to be kind of a satire of cop shows. The problem with Tequila and Benetti, if that Mm. is the case, if they were indeed trying to heighten cop shows to the point of absurdity, Uh is they never really wink at the camera, other than the fact that there's a talking dog. The the dog is the wink. But here's the thing. The dog is such a superfluous element, Mm. and he doesn't have meaningful commentary. If the dog had meaningful commentary, and doesn't have to be like, you know, well, really makes you think, doesn't it? Like, no, it just has to be like, just like just sort of commenting this is on like the, in a cop show, if the dog said. Yeah. I mean, that's obvious, but like, yeah. Yeah, some some sort of element there where the dog was better than all of this, but everything's just really ingrained in the reality of the show, mm. and the dog just happens to talk, and it's weird, and every once in a while they'll comment on it in a way that's sort of unexpected, but it's very, very odd. In any mm. case, Benetti comes to uh, South Coast. Mm. Um, the first thing he does is he gets stuck in traffic. What? There's traffic? I'm like, you're from New York. <laughs> of course there's traffic. <laughs> and he sees uh, uh, a woman with a vanity license plate get in a sort of a dispute and mm. maybe a flirtatious conversation with some guy who rear-ended her on the, on the road. Mm. Later in the episode, she has committed suicide. Ah, and that... he's got to solve her murder because he thinks it's a murder and no one else thinks it's a murder. Mm. Only Tequila believes it's a murder. He runs into Tequila. Uh, tequila, by the way, who's played by Brad Sanders. The voice the is voice played of, by Brad Sanders. The voice of Brad Sanders. Brad Sanders, who was in Barbershop, The Next Cut. 
Uh, and he was also the voice of Is Big he? Lob in G.I. Joe the movie. Okay. The original animated movie, mm. they introduced a character named Big Lob, mm. who was basically a Harlem Globetrotter who was also a member of G.I. Joe. Uh, his action mm. figures didn't sell very well, so they didn't do a lot with he, that he, character. But I remember had, him very distinctly. He's had small roles in movies you might have seen. He's yeah. done some voice acting. But uh, he... Detective Panetti runs into Tequila, literally, with his car. Like, the first thing he does is run into the dog. Uh-huh. And then, what are the odds he's going to be partnered with the dog? And the dog is basically... He, here, here's here's uh, Tequila as a character. Mm. He likes burritos drink, a lot. Dr- drink whenever they say burrito. Yeah, mm. that's a good point. Yeah, <laughs> uh, He likes burritos. He likes to have sex with poodles. Poodles, yeah, he's got a poodle fetish. And uh, occasionally he says, like, hip, poochy kind of things. Like, mm. where it's just like, ah, oh, you're... You're going to the... Going to the dog pound. Do, do, so, not quite like that, but, but like, um, I should have written them down, like, the best the best tequila <laughs> lines, best slash worst tequila lines, because it's always just like, oh, homeboy, you shouldn't have said that, mm. and it's this sort of thing, like, that contributes nothing to the scene. Why do we do this? When you watch Tequila and Benetti... Well, it's 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 surreal, because the scenes are always played perfectly straight. Yeah. And, uh, aside from, Char- like, Charles Rocket is clearly, like, a, a he's supposed to be a broad character, because he's always working on his showbiz, but, <laughs> but he's too good an actor. He brings so much genuineness to he's, it. He's a good actor, and the show is so earnestly toned. And, you know, Mariska Hargitay is also an earnest performer. Even Jack Scalia is playing it straight. Yeah, he's, he's a broad he's a, character, but once he gets, like, settled in, mm-hmm. like, Detective Benetti is a real person, and you kind of care about him. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, even though he did something horrible, at least, again, at least he feels terrible about it. Like, uh, But, like, when you watch the show play out, there's this serious, earnest cop drama. Mm. And then every once in a while, a dog will say something that just diffuses the drama. Mm. But even when you watch it, it's super fucking weird because the dog says something and everyone else stops talking long enough for the dog to say something. Mm. And if you ignore the dog parts, what happens is everyone takes really long Pinter-esque pauses (laughs) in every conversation for no reason. I I would thought about that. And in fact, I thought a lot about Garfield minus Garfield Mm -hmm. while while watching the show. And I'd love to see a cut of an episode where all of the dog's dialogue is just muted. Yeah. It's really super weird. So, but yeah. uh, And it's, you say it's like a really serious cop drama. The tone is more akin to something like Ally McBeal. Where the drama is really serious, mm-hmm. the characters are a little bit silly, and the tone is actually a little light. Yeah. Even the, like when we say that the cop drama is serious, it just means they're taking the story earnestly. Yeah, they're still it's cops, not... and they still have to deal with cases in which they're a matter of life and death. Yeah, but and there, whenever someone like, like that happens, everyone it's, stops, it's slows like, down, yeah. and gets contemplated. It's not, but it's not, like, it's not like homicide, you know, where everything's really kind of just gritty and, and dark and down in the streets. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they're just taking the story rather seriously, and the characters are characters that can be taken seriously. Yeah. So in the first episode, they're investigating mm. this murder. It mm. turns out that... Tequila solves the case because he realizes that he at the murder scene, at the crime scene, he smelled a poodle, but the woman who, the murder victim didn't have one. Mm. That means the killer must have brought their poodle to the murder. Mm. So they track down the guy with the poodle and, uh, and they, they get him. Yep. And good, uh, good job, Tequila. Basically good job, Tequila. The other element of this show that sort of sets up, it doesn't really set up important other plot points, but it sort of sets the stage and gives you all the pieces you need. Mm. Um, Detective Benetti's ex-wife 
lives in South Coast. This is something they set up in the pilot that they don't they don't clearly they, did, meant to explore but didn't. They yeah. they get rid of it super fast. So basically, he's he's goes to stay with his ex wife. They have some banter and some mm-hmm. some bickering, and they have sex. Yeah, they sleep, the, so they're still into each other, even though they kind of hate each other. Yeah, you know, like that. They're, they're, they shared. They have so much shared history that mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter. They just they're just sort of together at some point. He wakes up and she's gone, and she's off on like some six month dance engagement because she's and, a professional dancer, and she's off the show. We never see her. She's again. gone, yeah. and he just has her apartment, which is this like. It looks like a converted diner with all the furniture missing. It's yeah, hot pink and neon. There, yeah, there's a lot of neon that was really big at the time. There's those sort of like frosted glass bricks that were really hip at the time. Yeah. Um, th- and so that, now that gave me such strong 1992 flashbacks because <laughs> I went into so many buildings that had that kind of wannabe Miami Vice look. Yeah, exactly. And, and it wasn't an apartment. It was a house, wasn't it? It was like a house or like a first floor or something like so that. It's, it's, a, it's huge. I mean, it's it's huge. It's like a huge studio dance space almost. And yeah, he, and he gets to stay there, I guess for free. Uh, uh, I yeah. guess she's renting out some space to a character named, is it Shelly? It's either Shelly or Sherry. Let me look it Hold up. Hold on a second. Uh, she's played uh, by Mia, Sherry. Sherry played by an actress named Mia Cottett, uh, who was in uh, uh, living in captivity and mm-hmm. first time out and a couple other cancel too soon shows. We'll probably get to at uh, some point, but yeah, she, uh, I, and she's another character that I think they wanted to do more with and just didn't. Yeah. She's supposed to be this weird kind of new agey space girl who I th- mm. guess was supposed to have more dialogue scenes with mm. with Benetti and they just never got around to well, it. She uh, shows uh, up in a couple other episodes just as a background character. Over time and I have uh, we'll talk about this when we talk about where the show could have gone. Mm. They start introducing more of a supporting cast outside of the police department mm. and I think that's where the show was starting to find uh, uh, some purchase but we'll talk about that later. Um, so that's the that's the pilot really that just introduce all the characters mm-hmm. um, and then it really takes off and gets super fucking weird in the second episode called Teach Your Children, which again is about a serial rapist. Te- teach Your Children, but I think was the uh, one of the subtitles of Reefer Madness back in the 30s. Oh yeah, I think you're right. Or maybe so- it was Tell Your Children. Well, regardless, but, uh, it, it evokes that scare tactic yeah. kind of element. So the episode begins with uh, Officer Garcia, again played by the great Mariska Hargitay, mm. uh, who is undercover. There has been a series of uh, sexual assaults on the beach, and she is wearing a blonde wig, and she's gussied up a bit to mm-hmm. look more appealing, I guess, to, to monsters. Uh, well, I, I, maybe they were dressing her like the type of woman the monster goes after. Perhaps. And there's a street preacher down on Venice Beach. Yeah, and he uh, accosts her, and at first it seems like he's just like a harmless crazy guy. And then he starts attacking her, and she punches him in the face, mm-hmm. and he gets a bloody face. And he starts saying, like, my blood will cleanse you! And yeah, you're like, Jesus Christ, what is this, Hannibal? What he, the fuck is going on? He, he's a, he's a, a, a zealot. Yeah, uh, he's like an actual street preacher. I think he has his own cult. They established like, or he had one, or, and then there was like a like a tax scandal or something, mm. and he lost. So it. now he's just preaching on a beach, mm. and he's also a sexual assaulter. And yeah. in the course of arresting him, they forget to Mirandize him. Yeah, they each thought the other one had done it. Mm. Uh, it's pretty fucking lame. Like it's ridiculous that that happened. Mm. It's kind of like a bizarre plot point. And like a cop, like a, a lawyer shows up, and. She's super cocky about it, which is really weird because he's not rich. He can't mm. afford like a great lawyer. 
So she's and she's not even just like we we know I know he like sexually assaulted one of your cops, but mm. you didn't read him as random rights and you got to go. She's just like, well, I guess he'd better go out there and sexually assault more people because you guys are losers. <laughs> and you're watching this. That's, like, that's a fuck. That's a, she, that, she's played by Rosalind Cash, by the way. She, yeah, she's a really great actress. You've seen her in everything. She was in the Omega Man. Yeah, she was in Buckaroo Banzai. She, she's she's been around. She was. She had a role on General Hospital. You know, you've, you've seen her around. So throughout the episode, they're sort of keeping an eye on the street preacher, waiting for him to slip up so they can arrest him again and do it right this time. But the street preacher is keeping his nose clean enough, and he's starting to stalk Officer Garcia. He breaks into her house, and he, like, rifles through her under things. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's at one point where he picks up her daughter from school. Yep. And takes her home and doesn't do anything to her, but that in and of itself is super fucking creepy. And mm-hmm. there's this moment where... Garcia goes to pick up her daughter, and the teacher is like, oh yeah, she went with her uncle. Mm. And I'm just like, I grew up in a family of educators, you're not allowed to do that. Yeah, well, you know you cannot let that kid go with someone unless they are we're, specifically, you have a permission slip from like, the parent written out in advance. We're, go- we're going to uh, enroll our son in school in a couple yeah. months here, and uh, they get make you go through so much, and yeah. they make you come up with a list of people that it's okay to co- visit at the school. Only and, these people, like, if something happens to your parents, only these then, people can pick up your child. Even then, they're not allowed to take the child away from the school. They're mm. only allowed to come visit. So, yeah, they're really strict at yeah. schools, but... And, and that's not um, a new development that was from uh, many decades ago. We also learn at this point that Garcia uh, is a widow. Uh, she lost her husband, who was also a cop, in the line of duty, and as such has not told her young daughter that she's a Cop. Yeah, she wasn't a cop before her husband died. After mm. her husband died, she was motivated. She she felt the need. She felt the calling mm. to become a cop herself and live. You know, Got, also catch, help the community. Bad guys. Yeah, uh, but her daughter is very young. What is she like, six or seven or something? I, I think she's about eight. But yeah, yeah still young. And she mm. just like and it's actually handled reasonably well because you're watching this and you're just like, that's really irresponsible of Officer Garcia. She should tell her daughter. Mm. Everyone's telling you she should tell her daughter. Benetti tells her she should tell her daughter. Tequila tells her she should tell her daughter. And that's when it sticks for some reason. <laughs> um, and she finally tells her daughter. And what's interesting is that the daughter freaks out because for very simple reasons, my father was a cop Mm. And he died. So cops die. So cops die. And and now you're putting yourself in mm. that position to abandon me. It's actually a very reasonable reason to freak out, especially Mm. for a young child. And and Mariska Hargitay like is feels terrible about it, and she's yeah. very apologetic, and it's actually a really touching scene. Yeah, they actually handle it super well. And then a dog farts. <laughs> <laughs> not as many fart jokes as you might. Well, think. yeah, there's a few, mm. but it's not as many as you might think. Um, <laughs> but, and, but that that's this show in a nutshell. It's like, and it's really soulful, and they catch a bad guy, and he's been murdering people and cutting. There's yeah. a gang war, and then a dog. Farts. I had too many burritos. And, <laughs> Ellipsis and then a dog farts. Um, so they, then in the end, they catch the serial rapist. Mm. Good, good. They, they should. They That's their up. job. He doesn't get away. They, I mean, yeah. they're, they're, it's a cop show. They get him. There's yeah. closure. <laughs> uh, in episode three, uh, the Rose Cadillac. Here we get to a slightly more light mm. episode. Uh, in which uh, Detective Benetti's car gets stolen because it's a classic car, mm. and uh, you can get a lot of money for that. He's it's an original paint job. He's ta- constantly talking about how great it is. Yeah, and, apparently it's a it's a really really great car. It's isn't it? Uh, uh, it's a, isn't it stolen by Tuvok. Uh, it's it's stolen by um, yeah Tim Russ. Tim Russ, who played Tuvok in Star Trek mm. Voyager. There you go. Mm. Uh, who is very slick and very cool. What's really weird is that Officer Benetti or just Detective Benetti. Mm. 
he leaves the dog in charge of the car. And he says, watch the car. Don't let anyone near the car. Don't let anyone get within five feet of the car. And he goes off and interrogates someone about some crime that's been committed. And then Tequila gets distracted by a poodle. And then the car is stolen. Mm. And Detective Manetti comes back and he's mad at the dog. And I'm just like, it's a fucking dog. We know it talks. Uh-uh. You don't know it talks. You don't know it's a super intelligent dog to understand every he, single word you say. He, Why uh, would you trust the dog like that? Also, it's established that he didn't want the dog in the pilot. He was this dog was forced upon him, by the way. Yeah, he had no interest in the dog. He has two partners. He has detective he has Officer Garcia, who's like still in training, she's still mm. like on probation, and the dog. Mm. And he doesn't he likes Officer Garcia and they start developing a, a romantic chemistry. It's he's a little sexual harassy about it, but she doesn't take any of his shit, so it well, plays better than it should, even though it's still wrong. Also, it's part of his character. He's kind of that cocky, ultra macho Italian guy, so he's yeah. always like sort of flirting with ladies and talking about girls. And and the show doesn't let him get away with that. Actually, everybody rolls his eyes, rolls their eyes at his machismo. Yeah, so I, I appreciate that. They let him get away. Kind of... They let him get away with shooting a twelve-year-old kid, but they're not letting him get away with the sexual harassment. Yeah, well, that, that happened before the show. <laughs> <laughs> happened to every episode. I'm sure, I'm they sure won't somebody... let us forget about it. It's so not people, a vague backstory. It roll, lives on. Uh, and, and they don't let him get away with that, though. They let him mourn and feel terrible about it constantly. Well, um, if, I do like if that. If there was ever an episode where he's like, you know, I don't feel so bad about it anymore, that would suck. Well, <laughs> there is an episode. terrible and irresponsible. There is an episode later on where we mm. do find out. Uh, we do see members of the child's family and how they're grieving, mm. and yet still we're mostly supposed to sympathize with Detective Benetti. Mm. That's a weird bit. Um, so the, the car gets stolen mm. and, uh, he starts and it's actually kind of like fits because like, oh, this is something you can only do in Southern California. One of their lines of investigation is they look at car companies that like loan out or rent classic cars to movies. And so right. it goes on a movie set. And of mm. course he makes a big scene on the movie set. So, it's a 1950s styled horror movie, which basically means it's like a Frank, uh, it's like a, a Frankie Avalon, a Net Finicella movie. But then a guy shows up with a chainsaw. Yeah. Which actually looks like a pretty good movie. Um, <laughs> I'd see that. It's like yeah. a, a modern beach party spoof with a, like a violent murderer in it. It'd yeah. be great. What's kind of fun about this episode is that Tequila actually feels really bad, and he's trying to work overtime to like find clues and figure it out. And Benetti is so angry that he's ignoring the dog. Mm. He thinks the dog is just worthless right now. And the dog notices, and I'm actually like, you know what? That's that's a pretty clever little little clue he found there. <laughs> when they find like a car that is stolen, um, they replace the license plates, but they replace the license plates backwards. So that the license plate that should be in the front and have all the bugs spattered on it is in the back. That, that's, that's, yeah. That's, that's actually like a halfway that's decent clue. Good cop show writing. Yeah, that's, that's okay. <laughs> good, good detective stuff. All right, this episode's actually like not, like a lot of the Tequila and uh, Manetti episodes are like sort of tonally jarring and fucked up and weird in some mm. way. <laughs> this one is actually like where you think the show would live. It's actually yeah. like, it's pretty light. It's pretty, it's it's well paced. Charles Rocket gets to play a, a fun bit because one of the people they're investigating, it turns out to be behind it, uh, is actually like the guy who sold him his own car. Mm. And he doesn't want to find out he, he bought a stolen car. So he's a little motivated to try to like get him away. <laughs> it's a fun little bit. Uh, and and this is the one where uh, Bonetti and, and Garcia go out on a date. Oh, uh, it's one of the ones where they go out on a date. Yeah, they, like he's he, been asking her out for a couple episodes now, and she finally says yes. And they're actually in the middle of doing the Lady and the Tramp bit because he made her the Italian food. Mm. And they're doing like they're going to eat like the little noodle, and they're getting closer together, closer together. And then he's like, "The bugs," and she's like, 
we we were about to kiss. I don't know what, what the bugs are. There are bugs on the license plate. We gotta go. And I'm like, could have waited five seconds. You could have <laughs> could have had your moment. Like, you were about to kiss Mariska Hargitay. What's wrong with you? <sighs> like, my God. And she was about to kiss uh, uh, Jack Scalia, which ain't bad. Yeah, hey, he's a handsome man. Good looking dude. Yeah, yeah it, it would have worked out for everybody. But no, you had to think about bugs while you were kissing Mariska Hargitay. No wonder what? they don't pan out over the course of the series. Mariska Hargitay, by the way, who the, the show was made in 1992 and she looks identical today. She's just, she, she, she just she's, has an age. She's, she's aged maybe three years in the last 20. So, yeah. yeah. I didn't know that she was Jane Mansfield's daughter. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, she yeah. was in the car when Jane Mansfield died. Yep. That's in, that's. <laughs> I, unbelievable to me. It's, it's, it's horrible. Anyway. Right. And now, now she's an acclaimed actress on a hit show. Yeah, absolutely. Good for her. Uh, so the next episode is called Real Life. R-E-E-L. Uh, and this episode... This, this is the Kiss Kiss Bang Bang episode. Well, it's also The Hard Way, which was kind of popular at the time. Oh, well, yeah, I guess Or at least more. it just came out. Uh, there is a famous actor who is playing a character a lot like Detective Benetti, and so he asks to follow Detective to Benetti a, around. A ride-along. And and mm. and he ends up getting... I mean, obviously, he's a, he's a doofus. He's rich. He's mm. out of touch. He, he doesn't thinks, understand real life. Yeah, he and... thinks that he can act like in movies and mm. everything will be fine. Um, and Detective Benetti doesn't like him, doesn't trust him, tries to tell him how important and serious things are. Also, I have a talking dog. Mm. Um, and, um, yeah, there's there's not much to this episode. He gets, like, the guy gets, like, really cocky and weird and starts dressing like uh, Detective Benetti and then goes out on his own to solve a series of brutal gang slayings. Mm. Which, of course, he runs into, uh, the, the killer turns out to be an albino gang boss. There's so many people who are like, we, we've come a really long way, I think, in terms of representation. We still have a long way to go, mm. but you're, there are certain things where it's just like, you're not allowed to do this sort of negative trope anymore, but for whatever reason, albinos, it's totally okay <laughs> to just make was, albinos was, the villain in your movie. If, if an albino shows up, they're definitely a bad guy. Almost always. And, and uh, it's really fucked no, up. My, my, my brother-in-law is albino. <laughs> And yeah. of, of course, he noticed this right away as a young yeah. child. It's like, oh, look, an albino. Wait a minute, he's a thug. Oh, look, an yeah. albino. Wait, he's also a thug. This goes everything from, like, the Princess Bride to the Da Vinci Code to mm. Cold Mountain to Tequila mm. and Benetti. Uh, even, uh, what was that? Um, what was the... Uh, I forgot one, but there's a bunch. Mm. And it, it, it's... I don't know what the hell. I don't know why this started. It's like, well, it's okay because they're not just white. They're really white. And I'm like, that's not how that works. <laughs> You're just being mean to a group of people. It's really wrong. Yeah. So uh, al- albino, I guess albinos are a small enough group that we can still mock them. That's fucked up, Hollywood. <laughs> Stop doing that. Um, the next episode. Who else we got? People with vitiligo. Ah, screw people with vitiligo. <laughs> the next episode is called Runt of the Litter. Uh, this one, we find out a little bit more about <clears throat> where tequila comes from. <clears throat> tequila was owned by a criminal played by Robert Nepper. Mm. From uh, Prison Break, also in a really fun 1980s superhero movie called Wild Thing, where he played an urban Tarzan <laughs> with Kathleen Quinlan. Um, I actually like that movie a lot, even though it's not very good. Uh, Robert Nepper plays a criminal who used to own tequila, and he has a little sister who has been sitting on, in a crack house, his stash of stolen money. He breaks out of prison, okay, yeah. um, and he's trying to find the money, and the little girl just happens to run into tequila on the street. And it turns out, 
Uh, yeah, it turns out Tequila used to run with with her, mm-hmm. and she Tequila starts following the little girl around, mm-hmm. and the, the, it it seems like he's betraying the cops in order to join the criminals, but he's actually trying to stop her from grifting. This is a weird fucking episode, and uh, well, th- th- this is the first time I think where they the dog actually pl- like rather than offering a clue or like leading the cops, it's about the dog. It's about the dog, yeah. and. Uh, which means we have a lot of scenes with the girl and the dog having conversations, but the girl can't hear the dog. So she's so just sort of talking she's to just the sort dog. Of talking to the dog, yeah. and the dog is not saying things or doing things to really to influence her behavior in any sort of meaningful way. Yeah. All we know is that the dog disapproves and occasionally will run off, and she'll say, "Hey, where are you going?" Yeah, he'll distract her mm. or, or or something. And after a while, it gets to the point where the dog is intensely aware of human behavior of uh, hmm. the way things work, way technology works, and after a while it gets increasingly implausible that the dog can't come up with better ways to communicate with people. Yeah, you'd think the dog could just write at this point. Yeah, write, mm. tap its paws, point at things. Like, it, it, it gets absurd the more you think about it, which is why I'm glad later on when they start actually coming up with ways for the dog to communicate better mm. through bizarre plotting, which we'll talk about in a second. <laughs> yeah. when, when do we get to the psychic? Oh, I think real, real soon. Right. Uh, another thing uh, that happens in this episode is Robert Nepper like, beats one of the other detectives nearly to death. Mm. Tequila and, and Banani. And in fact, uh, one, throughout each episode, about halfway through each episode... That that scene happens where there's some, some somebody dies. We dwell on a, on a dead body, and we cut to the bumper, which was the theme song. You know, ba da ba da ba da, very happy. Yeah, and and you know that encapsulates just the weird tonal thing that's going on with Tequila and Bonetti. That we have these very serious things, and at the end of a commercial break, it's always something really heavy and dramatic. Mm-hmm. Now we were watching it without commercials, and I think the bumper happened after the commercial break. Probably, like right in the middle of it. Like, don't stick mm. around, we got a few more commercials. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, homeboy and I will be back after these commercial messages. Mm. Oh no, someone's been shot in the face! Yeah, yeah. Thanks to Keelan Manetti. And it turns out the victim ate his... Yeah, Episode 6 uh, is... Oh, sorry, one other thing I forgot to mention. At the end of uh, Run to the Litter, mm. they're visiting the cop in the hospital and he's on like the third floor. Mm. And then Tequila has somehow flown up to the window to say hi. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no ladder, there's no nothing, how he climbed up a sheer wall, and they even comment on it, and then he falls, presumably to his death. Moving on. Mm. Episode 6. He's got superpowers. Episode 6 is called Language of the Heart. This is the Rain Man episode. Oh. This one hurts. This one hurts. Because it's not a good episode to begin with. The plot is there's a gang shooting, and this is, again, uh, an attempt to put a New York cop in in an L.A.-only situation because there's no gangs in New York. Right. Well, they even uh, talk about how uh, uh, Detective Benetti has experience with gangs in New York, mm. but gangs in L.A. are different and they don't have the same sort of sort of rigid, many decades of infrastructure mm. and he the way he would solve the crime actually doesn't apply to this geographical location. And so he and so, Garcia yeah. get sort of competitive about who can solve the crime first. Uh, and, and that actually kind of works. I think it works and I think that's a, a great premise for this show about a Brooklyn cop and an L.A. cop. Gangs are going to be different. Here's you learning that lesson. Great, great, great. Also, there's an autistic guy who does his role entirely, like, to the letter, mm. like Dustin Hoffman in Rain Man. Yeah, yeah. He's he's uh, an autistic guy. He repeats things over and over again. He has the same voice. Mm. And, in fact, one of the shti- one of his shticks is that he's... An excellent driver. Uh, he's a, he wants to drive. I'm an excellent driver. I'm not, not wearing my underwear. No, uh, yeah. he, he's, he's a great mimic. He can, mm. he can do voices. And, in fact, that's a big plot point. Uh, 
I, I, I don't understand that well, element of it. Here's here's what here's what happens at the beginning of the episode. This guy who has like history mm. with uh, Officer Garcia knew her husband mm. when he was alive. Uh, he comes into the police station and he's kind of talking gibberish. And actually, it's kind of cool. Uh, Detective Benetti is actually just really nice to him and takes him home, makes mm-hmm. sure he's cool, helps him feed his cats. He's got like 30 cats. And it's actually like, it's actually kind of sweet, even though the character the is being played as such a really just ham-fisted cliche. Mm-hmm. Jack Scalia is actually playing it really genuinely, and those are good scenes because he's really committed to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it turns out later on, and then they put two and two together, that the weird stuff that this guy has been saying is actually means that he witnessed the murder. Mm-hmm. So they have to try to figure out how to like crack the code. How do we get him to talk about this in no, a way that, that is actually we can translate and use as evidence? And the, the murder is you know on the cusp of starting a gang war. It looks like one gang yeah. may have killed another one, which but... leads to a great finale in which Detective Benetti. Uh, puts on like his the Fonz jacket and well, his wife Peter's shirt well, what, what, and like shows up trying like yeah it almost looks like he's going undercover as like a forty year old teenager <laughs> and to try to like I know what you're talking about I'm from the streets well you, you to try actually, to talk sense into the gang the jacket denote that he was in a gang when he was younger mm-hmm. before he became a cop. That's an interesting bit of his past. And I like that they don't dwell on it and they don't say, I was in a gang and here's what I was going. No, he just needs the jacket. And a lot is communicated through that. And I like that. All right. Uh, The next episode. But but then they bring in the Rain Man character and it's. It's so awkward. Even at the time, even if you're like, even if you're going to be like, okay, well, issues representation. Mm. It's just taking a character from a movie and shoving him in here Mm. so awkwardly. And it's so weird until we did this show. I don't think it was consciously aware of how often TV shows did that. Just took yeah, whatever movie well, was popular and just did their version well, of it without any shame whatsoever. You watch a lot of shows from this era and you'll find that there were mentally challenged characters kind of sprinkled throughout. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know, not just you know, notable ones from soaps. There were, there were, I think there was one in 21 Jump Street. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was probably a Beverly Hills Night episode about Elsewhere it. And that's how St. Elsewhere ended. Yeah, St. Elsewhere. There were... The mentally challenged character was actually a trope that was pretty commonly hammered on, and it, it, it's... It's usually so, like a plot point, and it, it's, it's so... It's a plot point, yeah. and that sort of idiot savant thing was, was really heavily relied on as a plot point, and you, yeah. you don't really realize until you see it as a whole... When you see it as a trope that you're you realize kind of out, how, how offensive it really you, was. You, like, if you just see it once, it's just like, oh, like they were did. misguided. But when you realize that every show at the like time the, was doing the it. The producers it are actually try, trying to do something very sensitive and trying to mm. include mentally challenged characters and realize that they exist in the real world. Uh-huh. But they just did it badly. They did it badly and they did it so frequently that you realize, oh, wait, this is just a cliche at that right. point. So, Episode seven mm-hmm. is called Tale of the Dragon. Uh, there's... This episode is great for two reasons. One, mm. the basic plot is fun. Mm. There's a serial killer on the beach. He's a sniper, and he's shooting surfers as they're surfing. Uh-huh. Again, only something you can do in this environment. Pretty fun. Mm. The other thing is that the witness to the murders isn't a witness. She's a psychic. Yes. And here, we start she, doing she, ghosts. She vi- visions of the murders. Uh, she's a, uh, like, funny, wacky Latina gypsy lady. She's played by Liz Torres, who's had a long, awesome career. She was in Gilmore Girls, The John Larroquette Show, All in the Family. Uh, <laughs> it was The John Larroquette Show. I think, she, I think she got an award for that show. That was a good show. Oh, well, that, was a, right. that was a funny sitcom. Uh, but uh, she's a psychic. 
And she's she gets visions, but mostly she just tells people what they want to hear and sells overpriced candles. Mm. And, and what she, are you going to do? And she admits as much. Yeah, like I, this is I, I get visions, but they don't happen on the fly. So I usually just tell people what they want to hear and sell them overpriced candles. Mm. Um, but but she does have legit like and, psychic visions, and she's seen visions of these murders happening. And the things that she says, it's one of those things where like it doesn't necessarily help you beforehand, but afterwards it's very very clear she knew what was going to happen. Mm. And then they start. It's like I, I see the like purple tank tops everywhere, and it turns out it was next to a tank top. <sighs> Yeah, kiosk, and it gets to the point actually where she does give enough information that he's able to put two and two together. And it's like I see a rainbow and a volleyball game or something, and mm. then there's a re- bunch of rainbow balloons and a volleyball game. And the guy he sees the surfer and he knocks the surfer down. And he saves him from being killed. So mm. clearly she's she knows something. But the real gag is that much like in the movie Ghost, in which Whoopi Goldberg plays a psychic who doesn't realize she's a real psychic, mm. and she can actually hear real ghosts. And Patrick Swayze talks to her. Uh, this psychic on Tequila Benetti can hear tequila. Yep. Can't now, hear. she doesn't know he's a dog. She thinks she's talking to some sort of spirit medium from the other side. But well, she, uh, she figures it out. No, she never figures out it's a dog. She, but she, well, I guess it, she figures that out. She recurs in a later episode. No, she figures out that the person she's talking to is real and actually can contribute things and knows things. Mm. But tequila never tells her he's the dog, which is an odd choice. Mm. So she thinks she's talking to a ghost, and at first it actually freaks her out, and it's kind of funny. Mm. But after a while, she starts listening to him, and starts like whenever they go out for food orders, and then the spirit says to bring extra burritos. Like, <laughs> and the kid is just like, mm-hmm. mm hmm. Um, so that happens. She sees like Detective Benetti's death at a sushi restaurant, and they deal with the ramifications of that. This okay, episode, can, can, I, can would, we talk about sushi for a second? Please. All right, sushi is my favorite food. <laughs> it, it, it's really great, but I remember its rise. And sushi was a very because we're California kids, and sushi was a big in California before it was big uh, in the rest of America. Yeah, uh, and you know, uh, it was big in Japan, of course. But uh, <laughs> and we're talking about America. Uh, in America, sushi kind of infiltrated the LA foodie scene uh, at some point in the late 1980s. Like if you remember in The Breakfast Club. There's a scene where uh, Molly Ringwald eats sushi oh, and yeah, everybody yeah, yeah. freaks out. Ew, that's weird. It's like raw fish and I totally seaweed. totally forgot about that. You're right. That yeah, and, and how sushi was seen as this weird alien thing that only rich, snotty weirdos ate. And you know, even I by really... 1992, it was only just starting to make its way to sort of the public and it wasn't on the East Coast yet. You, you're right. I am such an L.A. kid. I totally forgot that there was a time when sushi was, was kind of alien sushi to the was Western alien. culture. So the, I totally forgot about the, that time period because it, of, it took on so rapidly. Yeah. Yeah, the, the mention of a sushi restaurant is another super L.A. thing that this Brooklyn guy doesn't understand. Why would you eat sushi? That's weird. I'm going to eat Italian food. So weird. Yeah, you're right. He, he like, yeah, and they so, the make a joke about how he literally only eats Italian food. Mm, he eats pizza for breakfast. Like, he just, nothing that isn't Italian goes in his body. Because he's, uh, he's an Italian guy. And I'm just like, I, I love he, you, he, and I love Italian food, too. That's te- a lot of carbs. He teaches people how to say, gabish. There you go. One thing I like is that Charles Rocket's character actually knows Italian. So <laughs> actually, like, whenever he, he'll go off on these rants and say a lot of Italian things, the implication is that he's swearing. Mm. And Charles Rocket's like, I, you know I speak Italian. And he's like, oh, right, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. I didn't mean to call your mom that. I'm sorry. What's a coming to go? Um, so they catch, they catch the, uh, the, the surf sniper. Turns out the guy uh, had a girlfriend who left him for a surfer. And now he's <laughs> mad, at surfers. mad at surfers. <laughs> It's a little thin, but what are you going to do? Uh, what's kind of cool is that the psychic will show up later, and I feel like that was laying groundwork for what the show could have been, mm-hmm. like, and actually evolved into that would have worked a little better, but we'll talk about that when it happens. Um, 
The next episode is also a weird parallel with Man and Machine. It's called A Perfect Match. And again... Oh, this is the video dating episode. Yeah, we talked about this in uh, when we reviewed Man and Machine, which is actually a really fun uh, buddy cop show mm-hmm. about a cop and his sexy robot partner, played by Yancey Butler. Um, and that show had a whole bunch of episodes that were supposed to be about sort of futuristic crime. It took place like 20 years in the future mm. and so they, technology they were really like tech based or cloning or and whatever technology was going on. and yeah. things had changed. But what's weird about that show is that so many of the things that they talked about being futuristic would eventually become very standard mm. uh, in, in immense water crises in, in Southern California or uh, video dating. Oh my mm. God, they're using the internet to date. How weird is this? Mm. Uh, they did it in Tequila Benetti too. It mm. turns out that there is someone who is part of a video dating service, a very elite, expensive video dating service, who is killing mm. various people that they date in the service. And it turns out there's five different women who have dated all these same guys who got murdered. So, so Detective Benetti uh, has to they, go undercover. They figure out that uh, it's a female serial killer, uh, an unusual thing. Yeah, fatal attraction but, uh, riff. But yeah, then... Uh, yeah, Benetti has to go undercover. Uh, video dating, by the way. Uh, oh, yeah, let's talk about should, this. Uh, there was a time when uh, you could set up blind date, and this is you know, just what an app does now, but you could set up a blind date by giving a description of yourself to a camera, and you would exchange tapes with strangers. So you'd go like into you, a you'd studio. Go into a like, studio, they'd yeah. film you, and, and they'd... You just say, you'd say honest things, like, hey, my name is Bibbs, yeah. uh, I'm very lonely, uh, you know, I'm very well, into these n- various things. I, I'm, I'm married. married yeah. I'm married. I'm, I'm thinking about me from, like, five years ago. All right. Like, you know, hey, you know, I've been, you know, it's, life is hard, and I think I'm a nice guy, I'm looking for someone very kind, mm-hmm. who loves dogs, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And it turns out all the women in the dating service love dogs, and they... Detective Benetti has a dog. So he has to uh, make a video date video. Again, that's a very California thing that a New Yorker wouldn't want to do. There's this weird and, bit uh, where he has to make the video. And of course, Detective Benetti isn't an actor, so he's really awkward on camera. Mm-hmm. And he says just stupid things, or he says them real bad, and they're not very enticing. Like, yeah, my name's, my name's Nico Benetti, and uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a very uh, sensitive guy. Yeah. <laughs> and then... Tequila will say something funny like, and I'm tequila, and I like burritos and having sex with poodles. And what's weird is that, why would they let that dead air play in the video? There's no reason. Because he's really awkward. It's really awkward and weird. So he goes on a series of dates. Detective Benetti, like, totally, like, he manages to, like, take hair follicles from hairbrushes and everything, get the evidence that they need to find out if this is the real killer. But, uh... He completely just like bombs every day, and Tequila has sex with all of their dogs. Yes, and it gets kind of uncomfortable after a while. <laughs> You're watching like how many I times? I guess I guess they're all female dogs, but yeah. How many times can we cut to a shrubbery sort of swaying in the breeze while <sighs> fucking the guy who plays the voice of Tequila mm. says something funny about having sex right now? Yeah. You know, it's kind of weird. I, the dog sex jokes never made me laugh ever in anything. Not in this show, not anywhere else. There's uh, one joke there's at the a, end of this one that works for me because it's well, kind of funny. Well, the, the payoff of all the, the dog sex is pretty funny. but yeah. um, That's a thing you just said. <laughs> I did just say that aloud yeah. and completely in earnest. Um 
the one thing I'm very relieved, there are plenty of dog peeing jokes where mm. the dog pees or poops on something, and thank goodness they never actually, like, show the pee or peeing action on camera. Yeah, and it's usually there because someone's a jerk. Someone's a jerk, and he, like, pees on their leg, and they just sort of look down shop, shocked, and then there's a close-up of the dog's yeah. face. Yeah, look at But we never actually kind of see the wet pant leg, and I'm really glad that we never it, see it, the wet it, pant it, leg. It would take it too far. Mm. Uh, the episode really hinges, however, on Charles Rocket's character, who is dating one of the suspects. That's and right. he's trying to sort of say, like, well, it, get to her last. Hopefully we don't have to deal with this. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that not only is she the killer, but she has multiple personalities. And it's kind of like, um, oh, what's that movie? Fight Club? Well, yeah, but like, I'm thinking <laughs> of like an earlier movie. It's almost like a, um, a multiple personality version of So I Married an Axe Murderer. Oh, there you go. You know, where it's like, I'm trying to protect her. She's my sister or something. And then... Detective Benetti shoots and kills her in front of Charles Rocket. Mm. And Charles Rocket was like a lonely, and he's, and he's sad guy. He's devastated, yeah. He is. And that's weird is that, so there's this thing that they do in almost every episode where Detective Tequila, uh, Detective Benetti, mm. plays piano. And they do this thing where they sort of visit all the other characters and what they're doing. Mm. And it's never important. It's it's always it's, kind you of know what, weirdly it's, superfluous. It's it's it's, uh, it's dumb. And, you know, when I read that they had this weird montage, you yeah. know, of... You know, where he's playing piano. And the montage usually is even more bizarre over the credits because there's stuff that didn't even happen in the show. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, or it feels like it was actually taken from of a future like, episode and put in this one for no it's reason. It's kind of like that breath in the middle of Magnolia where all the characters just sort of stop to sing. Yeah. I, I like it as, I appreciate it as an intermission. It doesn't really work. <laughs> well, it stops the show I, dead. I, I appreciate that they're trying to at least kind of give you a little bit of a breather in the so, middle, which is a dumb thing to do in a TV show that has commercial breaks. Yeah. Because you're already getting breathers. But, but, like, imagine just, like, a sort of just a general sort of tinkly piano bit, and you mm-hmm. see, the, you know, Officer uh, Benetti, you know, playing along, having mm-hmm. a silent solitude moment to himself. You see Dete- uh, Officer Garcia playing with her daughter. Okay, checking mm-hmm. in with her. You see Charles Rocket and, like, his his girlfriend has just been murdered mm-hmm. by, tequila, by Professor... By, uh, Professor... By Detective Benetti. Professor Benetti. And for whatever reason, he's in a field full of sprinklers taking off his shirt and dancing in despair. And then you see, like, uh, Detective Benetti's um, neighbor, mm-hmm. and it turns out he's a transvestite and he's doing his gardening dressed in women's clothes. And then we, they remind you that Detective Benetti shot a child. Mm. And we show the flashback again. Can't get away with that. Yeah. So the episode really ends, though, with the gag, which is actually kind of funny, where all of the dogs that Tequila has seduced over the course of the episode mm. are in the waiting room of the police department at the same time. And busted! <laughs> and everyone oh, acts like he's busted as if they actually know what the fuck is going on. And none of the women are there with the dogs. So I guess they ran away. To like to find, to find their doggy daddy, and it makes you wonder if it's a coincidence that they all showed up at the same time, or if somehow they had talked. Every once in a while, Tequila does talk to another animal. There's a cat, a couple of dogs. None they, of the other animals talk back. Well, I think that's fine because that, if the the other animals talk back, it would add <laughs> a whole new layer to the show that wasn't needed. Although it just does highlight how bizarre it is that there's this one talking dog on this this TV show. Episode nine is called "Fetch This Pal," and this is the Mad Bomber episode. <laughs> Oh, yeah. This episode also has maybe the most significant uh, guest star that they've had, who is uh, James Tolkien, who is an actor you'll recognize as uh, Principal Strickland from Back, from to, the Back to the Future. Yeah. He was also in Top Gun, a whole bunch of other great stuff in, like, in the 80s in particular. Um, he plays the head of the bomb squad, who is also in charge of training the canine unit. 
And it turns out that Tequila is not accredited. Yeah, which like, is weird because he's like, actually got like the best arrest record of anyone on the force. Like like the, the dog came in and the dog is just really well behaved and is a good cop. So they just sort of put him to work without putting him through the training. Course. I mean, he steals so, burritos, yeah. but like he, he he'll chase down yeah. the bad guys. He's good for he's got a good nose for sniffing out clues and things. He's very useful. He's a good cop dog. He's just crass. He basically he's Puchinski. <laughs> Except you can't hear him talk. Like that's basically who he is. Um so they have to run. They have to like race tequila through canine accredit- accreditation, and it's and, basically and now, briefly like police academy, but for dogs. There's a police academy for dogs, and then there's a rival. There's this uh, German shepherd run- being held by this handsome blonde cop that Garcia has a big crush on, and who it turns out is dating Benetti's ex-wife, which is super weird because she's still in Europe. Yeah, she's she doesn't appear in the episode. Yeah, they, they just talk about how he's dating her ex-wife, which made me think that he was just being a jerk, and they're not actually dating. Maybe I don't know. <clears throat> they, they even, but here's the thing: he has a picture mm. of her. Mm. He has a picture of Benetti's ex-wife. I thought he was just trying to psych out Benetti. He's but, well, you know. then he's do he's going overboard because he has her picture in his apartment during like the montage or whatever, and oh, it's the well, same yeah. picture that, that like it's clear they only had one picture of the actress because they were never going to bring the character back, <laughs> and they just sort of <laughs> gave him the same picture, which is really they, really they, funny. They cut out her headshot and just pasted on various things. So Tequila is of course not having any of this. He's insulted that he has to go through the process. He's not like. You know, even though he knows exactly what he needs to do, he's not staying when he needs to stay or going when he needs mm. to go. But what happens over the course of the episode, and we'll talk about the Mad Bomber bit in a second, but what happens over the course of the episode is Benetti finally realizes that after all this time, he actually cares about Tequila and doesn't want to lose a partner. And he's really invested in making mm. sure that Tequila gets to stay on the force because he actually likes the dog now. Before it was Tequila and also Benetti. Now... It's Tequila and Bonetti. With an ampersand, so you know they're together. <laughs> uh, and so Tequila actually decides to try, but he turns out that he he's too good. Like, the last thing, he's got to get like an A. It's like Bill and Ted. He's got to get an A-plus on his final exam mm-hmm. or he fails. Uh, he's got to seek out, in like a big obstacle course, where there's a bomb. And he just runs up to the bomb. He, knows, he figures out where it is immediately, mm-hmm. but he, he fails because he didn't check everything. Yeah. Even even though the important thing was finding the bomb. I see what they're getting at, because for all you know, there's more than one. Mm. But regardless, he fails, but it all works out okay in the end, because he ends up sniffing out the real bomb. Mm. The actual Mad there's, Bomber plot... There's there's a big uh, tense scene where he's holding the bomb, and, and, to, and <laughs> Bonetti has to defuse it. I want to talk about that, because that's so uh, much fun. So the idea is there's a Mad uh, Bomber, and he's blowing up museums and hospitals and things, and it turns out he's actually got a grudge against uh, uh, Principal Strickland. Yeah, the the bomb squad guy. Uh, and there's a bit where like Detective Benetti has to like go to the guy's house, and the guy realizes he's about to be arrested, and he decides to commit suicide via bomb. And like it's really intense and sad, and you're like, "What the fuck?" And then there's a talking dog, <laughs> and then the dog parts. <laughs> the basically, and then the last bomb is in a hospital. They've evacuated the hospital. All the other dogs are trying to search everything, and Tequila like races out there, uses the elevator successfully, which is pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, a dog can use an elevator. <laughs> if it knows what floor to go to. Yeah. It only sure. does. And then it all comes down to this really intense moment where Detective Benetti has to defuse the bomb. He's only got seconds left. Mm-hmm. Strickland can't get 
to him fast enough to do it himself. So he just says, which wire do I pick? Well, is there a green one and a red one? And he says, well, you got to pick the red one. And then he realizes that the guy was trying to kill Principal Strickland. So he does so the he, opposite. So yeah. he pulls the other wire, realizing that that's what, that was going to be the trick. Mm-hmm. And it turns out everyone survives, and the dog gets to be on the police force, and everything is okay. Yay. But the other thing that happens in this episode is the psychic comes back. Oh, that's right. That was in this episode, yeah. wasn't it? Oh, the psychic comes back and she decides to be more helpful and the dog ends up uh, contributing more and telling her, like, here's what we need to do to solve the case. And she does it. And it really starts setting this sort of groundwork, I thought, for maybe she'll be a regular character. Uh, at least a recurring character. Yeah. Uh, like, um, why not? Like, why can't we? It, it's, it's getting frustrating well, hearing Tequila want to help and not be able to and have given him and a was, medium, literally. It was here cool. where she knew it was the dog. I don't think she did. I, are you sure? I'm, I'm pretty, pretty sure she didn't I'm know it was sure the dog. I'm pretty sure she figured out it was the dog when it was ordering burritos and stuff. No, I don't. Th- I think she's just a little naive. I think she doesn't. All right, all right. Well, because here's the deal: she she's she's familiar with the idea of psychics talking to ghosts. Mm-hmm. She, how how often do you hear about psychics talking to dogs? It's less common. So she didn't jump to dog. And all at right. no point does Tequila say, "By the way, I'm the dog." Mm. He could have. And that probably would have been a good, wise idea. <laughs> and then it would have changed the whole world. <laughs> Maybe that's why they didn't go there. Uh, the next episode is called Wonder Dog. This is the episode in which Tequila is hired for a commercial. Oh, I hated this episode. <laughs> well, Tequila saves a bunch of people from a fire. As, He's in a newspaper, I, and they hire him to be a spokesdog for this, a security company. I'm not going to say I hated it. I actually didn't hate any of these episodes, but uh, this is my least favorite. So. so the basic idea is this actually works out great for Detective Benetti because he's investigating a series of break-ins, and the one common denominator is that security company. Mm-hmm. So they let the dog... Charles Rocket's all about this because he thinks he can get finagle this and get away to sell his screenplays. Uh, but they let the dog be a part of the commercials, and Detective Bonetti uses the is, is it as an excuse to get inside the company and find out more about what's going on. Meanwhile, Tequila has sold out hard. He's so excited about selling out. He has fantasies about winning an Oscar, and he's wearing a little tuxedo, which is great. No, it's not. It's super awesome. <laughs> uh, but here's the here's the weirdest thing. This is the weirdest part of Tequila and Benetti to me, and that's this, saying something. This is the weirdest part. Okay, <laughs> one thing. Uh, at one point, when uh, Charles Rocket is going over the dog's contract, he tells uh, Detective Benetti, mm. who added all these things to the contract? Something about free burritos, and there's got to be a poodle on set all the time. And then the kid was like, <laughs> that was me. How did you type that? Well, those, those there's little, another those little doggy, doggy paws but on that's a typewriter. A, but then, like, the, the guy in charge of, like, the commercial and everything, like, calls him up and it just says, yeah, you were talking to me about getting all these burritos and stuff. Like, the dog made a phone call? <laughs> You're breaking the rules! <laughs> Nothing makes sense anymore! Up is down! Zebras are white with black stripes! I don't know anymore! And this is this is before, you know, email... So he wasn't like emailing the guy, sending him letters. So if if he's he probably had to him, put a stamp on that, yeah, if like, he's sending him letters, he's he's you know folding it and putting it in an envelope and mailing it out. It's really confusing. The, the episode is really straightforward. It turns out that even though that the guy who runs the security company is an ex cop and would do anything to sort of protect his various people, he's very loyal. He's uh, it turns out there's one guy involved who is corrupt and stealing a bunch of stuff and detective garcia or officer garcia almost gets injured and it all works out okay and the dog ends up not being super famous because it turns out um he's at a he's he's like not a good actor like they try to film him and he just like says like no 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 i would do it like this he's like james legro and uh living in oblivion (laughs) refuses to take direction and do it the right way um 
But then there was something about, oh, it turns out he doesn't get to keep the money. Like, all the money is going to be donated to charity or something. And oh, he's yeah, just like, yeah, yeah. I'm out. <laughs> no, uh, thank you. I wanted to be rich. Forget it. <laughs> I'm going to do all this extra work for free. All right. Okay. Episode 11 is kind of the most fucked up episode. There's only two episodes left. Is this the... the this is the, the fake the news reporter? episode. Yeah, the fake news episode. Okay, so, so over the course of this episode, uh, Tequila Veneni and Garcia are in a car chase. And they run afoul of, like, a, a, a tabloid reporter, like, in, like, a 48 hours kind of news show. Uh, he gets in the way of the of the chase because he's trying to get the scoop. And they yell at him because you just let a criminal get away because you got in, in the middle of an investigation. And, and he, of course, they got on camera doing it, and now so, they're pariahs. Yeah, the, the reporter spins this as, look how terrible the cops are. Not, yeah. not, not I got in the way. And so he begins running this campaign against... Uh, Bonetti and against Tequila, yeah. This non, this dog that until recently was not accredited, yeah. And uh, so they, they they try to spin public opinion against Tequila and Bonetti, and it's easy with Bonetti because Bonetti shot a twelve year old. Yeah, and they bring that up. They a lot. bring it up, and they interview the child's family, mm. and everyone's just like, "Oh, it's so sad that they could do this to Detective Bonetti. He shot their child." Well, and and. They don't bring this up, but you know that family would have been interviewed before, so yeah. that that reporter is doing something really horrible by bringing all of this up again just to smear a cop. Yeah. So this is like a really terrible monster, this reporter. Yeah, and it turns out uh, that uh, someone does a drive-by shooting at the reporter, and the reporter thinks that... Tequila and Benetti are responsible, mm. and they have to prove their innocence. It turns out that someone broke into uh, Benetti's house yeah, they, and stole they his ma- spare gun. They match the bullets to Benetti's gun. Uh, it looks real, real bad. And it turns a, a, out, a, a, yeah, a valet was shot by, but the valet was shot by accident. Yeah, it was like a ricochet. Yeah, because all of the all of the gunfire was actually like in the air, mm. but like it hit like a pole or a building or something, and a ricochet shot and killed the valet. Mm. And then it turns out that the reporter staged the shooting. To, to frame Bonetti because yeah. he was had it out for the cops and he was and it's and it just well, he, all the media is super corrupt he, he and was, thank God we have cops who shoot twelve year olds here to take care of us because <laughs> any reporter who goes after a cop who shoots a twelve year old has got to be corrupt because the cop is obviously right and you're watching this and I'm just like hey the reporter back up to be fair the reporter was also a monster but uh, yeah but it's, okay and I grant you again this came out twenty five years ago. You watch it now, and it just seems horrifically irresponsible. Well, d- <laughs> because yeah. then, then, like, they, they confront he, him, he, and he runs, and he tries to he, kill the uh, detective with a crane. Keep in he gets mind, in a crane, and he tries to kill him with a crane. Keep in mind, this was during the era of shows like A Current Affair and Hard Copy, these really sensationalistic, crime-ridden news shows. Not, not actually news programs, but like news entertainment shows, primetime right. news shows. And uh, reporters that did these sorts of things weren't trusted, and it's okay to not trust the reporter. And my counter to that is, as you pointed out, this was during the Rodney King trial. Yeah. And corrupt detectives, corrupt cops, Mm. being exposed by the media was kind of a big fucking deal, and people were taking it more seriously (laughs) than the courts were. Mm. So it really doesn't play very well. It doesn't play well when, yeah, when you said it. I can see where they're drawing their inspiration from. But yeah, thanks to Rodney King, it's not really playing well to an audience. And the last episode of Tequila and Benetti to air is called Mama, and it's very obvious this was supposed to be from earlier in the show. Uh, it was supposed to be from earlier in the show, and you have to tell me how this one ended, because the disc you gave me screwed up, oh, no. so I didn't actually get to see the end of this Okay, episode. it's actually super weird. So what happens is, this obviously was supposed to take place right after mm. uh, Detective Benetti shot his captain, Charles Roggett's, uh 
serial killer girlfriend. Mm. And Charles Rocket is in mourning and with good cause. And everyone's just like, we, we got to help him get out of his funk. He's like, he's, mm. he's really down and you shot his girlfriend. Maybe you should say something. And who should come into town? But Detective Benetti's mom. Mm. And she shows up and she's lovely. And she, she's really fun. She's a, a, a sassy Italian uh, Sicilian woman. Yeah. And she's, Charles Rocket immediately mm. falls in love with her. She's played by an actress named Carol Lawrence, mm-hmm. who has had a hugely long Broadway career. Mm-hmm. She won Tonys for playing Maria in the original production of West Side Story. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So she's cool. Um, and I think she was in like... Valley of the Dolls, the TV show, or Beyond the Valley of the Dolls, the TV show? Well, we have Valley of the Dolls, the TV show. Yeah, like, yeah. Beyond would have been a weird series. If there's a Beyond the Valley of the Dolls TV show, I need to see it immediately. (laughs) But, uh, but yeah. Um, Charles Rocket falls in love with her, and she, who is still mourning the death of uh, Detective Benetti's father, who died a few years ago, Mm. but, you know, it's it's rough. They live together their whole lives. She's very flattered. And they go out on a couple of dates. Mm-hmm. And it's weird because I, I always think of Charles Rocket as being super young, but they talk about it. Again, this is 1992, about how he's a Vietnam vet. He's in his 40s. Like, he's not a young well, he, man. He, he, he just look, plays like it's such a young-seeming he, character. He looks like he's in his 40s. He's dating a woman who's probably in her late 60s. Yeah, and, and I love that that's not an issue. Like, no they, one they, cares. They talk about it, but he's dating this older woman, she's dating a younger man, and that's okay. Detective Benetti is only uncomfortable with this because that's his mom. Not because she's an older woman. They don't bring up that she's older know, in, in, than older or firm. Yeah. She's, she's clearly a spirited woman. Yeah. He's an, interested in this woman romantically, and, and that's have, not seen as something that's weird or fetishistic. And they have really good chemistry together, too. Yeah. They like go to see like a Three Stooges movie marathon, and they mm. talk about it, and Charles Rocket does his Shemp impersonation. It's pretty good. <laughs> um, there's actually like a sweet scene, because she, she's obviously she's staying with her son, and she's mm. cooking for him and everything, and she's a little mad that he's getting in the way of her just trying to enjoy herself. He has a moment where they actually really connect, and he's just like, it's, it's hard for me because I can't imagine you with anyone but my dad. Mm. And she's like, well, do you want me to be in mourning forever? He's like, no, it's just hard for me. <laughs> and it's kind of sweet, so just, actually. Just saying it's, that aloud. It's yeah. a good, honest mm. moment that a lot of people have to deal with the idea of their parents potentially dating again. It's, it's, it's odd, especially if it happens when you're older. Mm. Um, so that's actually super genuine. But also, uh, Benetti's mom is being stalked by a fishmonger. Uh, Al Ruscio, you, you'll recognize him. Yeah, character actor, been a lot character of Character actor, yeah. She's, there's B- someone... Big, big round-looking dude, played Italians a lot. There's someone from the neighborhood who mm. is literally a fishmonger. He mongs fish for a living, and he smells of fish, and there's this really funny bit where they're in, a, they're in the movie theater showing the, the, the Three Stooges marathon, and Charles Rocket smells fish, and then it just cuts to this angle, and you can see this guy's been sitting between them and like just behind for the whole time, and it's really comical, <laughs> and he kidnaps them! And, Charles Rock- and it's just because he's jealous. He's not yeah. like a, a criminal or nothing. No, he's just a stalker. Yeah. And it turns out uh, he's he's had several ex-wives who died under mysterious circumstances after they tried to leave him, mm-hmm. but nothing ever stuck. Nothing ever stuck. It ends with this big showdown of the guy. He's got Charles Rocket mm-hmm. and the Benetti's mom like in a warehouse. Okay. And Benetti. I, that's that's about where I got to the warehouse before it started to screw up. Benetti mm-hmm, so. and the fishmonger start yelling at each other. Mm-hmm. Only in Italian. Without subtitles for a couple of minutes. <laughs> it's really super surreal. <laughs> but uh, it all boils down to... Well, but th- that actually will parlay into something. But okay. well, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we'll right. talk about that in a second. Uh, basically, everything turns out okay. Mom goes home. Charles Rocket feels better. And everything's fine. Mm. And that's the end of the show. That was the last episode yeah. of Tequila and Benetti that aired on CBS. Um, it was a weird run. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, before we move on to the future of To Kill a Humanity, because they did have one other element that we should refer to. Definitely refer to. Um, I want to talk about where you think the show would have gone if it had had 100 episodes. Well, here's the thing. I hate to admit it, this show's kind of my jam. Uh, it's I, I was it's actually, oddly hypnotic, isn't it? I was actually really, in, not really, but kind of enjoying it by the end. Uh, the the dog element was just this sort of weird, surreal thing that was thrown into actually a pretty strong cop show. Like, all the With, acting's really good. The acting's really good, the stories are good, the writing is sharp. The the, 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 the jokes the char- don't really land, the, the, which, is fru- which is frustrating. Yeah, the, 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 the biggest problem with the show wasn't necessarily that it had a talking dog in it. It was just this weird tonal thing where it was really dark and earnest and then really light and silly. And I think... It was getting better about balancing those by the time we got to the end. Yeah. It wasn't so jarring where it's like, oh, and here's a, a dead person and... A, the dog and, farts! And, and, we, and we're gonna... Yeah. yeah, and the dog farts. I think they were doing less of the and the dog should farts. We make, should we make a shirt that says and the dog farts? Sure. <laughs> Would you, right into the show, ask if, <laughs> no. if you would buy a t-shirt that said ellipsis and the dog farts, because that's a, a great thing to wear to funerals. I don't know. Jeez. Um, no, I, I, like I said, I think they were doing doing a little bit better about sort of balancing that tone. And I think as they went on, it would have been a much more sort of well-rounded, more interesting cop shows. They would have probably brought in a lot more um, stronger characters, a lot more character work. Uh, I liked the sexual tension between Garcia and Bonetti mm-hmm. that was never really broken. They think, never resolved it. They never slept together. And, uh, they and almost th- went on a date once. And, and I, I like that. That's the Mulder and Scully thing. You know, yeah. where they're, it's always kind of there, but they're never actually going to address it. And when they finally do, it ruins the show. Yeah. So, uh, I, yeah, I like that that was probably going to sort of build and maybe she would have dated somebody or, you know, I liked the Charles Rocket character. Charles Rocket's so fucking great. Mm. He's really great. He's one of the most underappreciated character actors of his time. Yeah. Like, he's really, really good. I, like, he's, he's like, aces on this show. Like, if nothing else, he's great on this uh, show. Before you start acting, where did he go? It turns out he committed suicide. So he, 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 he acted was, pretty uh, consistently for about 20 years. Yeah. He was on a very ill-fated season of Saturday Night Live. He, um, he was the Weekend Update guy. Yes, he was. He was in yeah. It's Pat. Uh, and we'll probably see him on Cancel Too Soon a couple more times. He was on shows like Normal Ohio oh. and The Home Court. <laughs> um for me, Tequila and Benny, I think you're right. I think it would have found a better balance. And honestly, that might have made the show less interesting over time. <laughs> For me, if I were running the show, I would be like, who we need more of is the psychic. Mm-hmm. Because the psychic provides a conduit so that the dog doesn't always feel like he's just making dumb jokes. Mm-hmm. Maybe he never tells her he's a dog, or maybe he tries and she doesn't go for it, so he just says, fucking him a spirit medium. But, like, it feels like you need to sort of accept how engaged Tequila is as a character, that he's not just commenting on the action like Garfield, that he is really doing stuff and trying to communicate and being part of this group. I think the show needed to embrace its weirdness a little bit more and maybe yeah, have a few yeah, other... Yeah. It didn't need to become like a supernatural show, but maybe there should have been other elements that explore the fact that tequila well, is not an aberration and that maybe there's other weird stuff in the world mm. and that maybe this place of South Coast is kind of this weird haven for odd fucking crimes. And uh, they started to toy with this a little bit because there was a recurring character, this this sort of uh, overweight Japanese guy yeah. who uh, was managed to date like pretty blondes in bikinis like he that was his talent he could seduce bikini blondes oh you know one thing we didn't talk about Uh, was sam spade 
Oh, they're, yeah, they're Sam they're, Spade. They're, they're forensic <laughs> scientists. The guy who does all of their, uh, uh, you know, here's the dead body and turns out he was shot from here and blah. And he's actually named Sam Spade. Yeah, which is which is funny. But he's also like, I, I don't, I'm not sure what country he's from, like Greece or something. He's got a really thick accent and mm-hmm. English is obviously his second language and he's always hitting on Garcia but accidentally making bad jokes. Like, uh, oh, do, do you like cars? I take you on my car. I have much gas. Yeah, I, I have much gas, is something he yeah. says. Which is it's just an odd, quirky little character. We didn't talk about uh, Terry Funk. Uh, Terry who pl- Funk, who, who plays the, the Keenan Wynn role. Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, Terry he's, Funk, is uh, he's a big, burly actor, and he used to play big, burly guys in stuff like Roadhouse yeah. or Over the Top. But he plays this, like, very light, very silly Ka- officer. Kind, kind of a dimwit, but, you know, charming, so. Yeah, like, when they have the actor episode, the actor who's following around Detective Benetti, Terry Funk gets to say things like, do you know RoboCop? And then at the end of the episode, when the guy like sort of brings shame to the law enforcement community, he's like, I bet he's never even met RoboCop. Like, it's a whole bunch of silliness. I think if it had embraced that and just gotten weirder and weirder and weirder, as opposed to just trying to be a serious cop show with a talking dog in it, yeah, that, yeah. That, that can't and, last over time. And Weird can, show. Could, you can, and you can see it heading that way. And, you know, this, this was the time for that. And, and in fact... Uh, I never saw Northern Exposure, but my wife was familiar with it, and she said that that's the premise of Northern Exposure. It's about a cop from the city who goes to Alaska yeah. and encounters just sort of the quirky town. Yeah, the local and, hero, basically. And, and if yeah. you have a quirky town that's kind of like Venice, California, hey, that works. And a, there's like a, bunch a, of weird shit a little it, a, Italian Brooklyn cop with a talking dog in there. That's a show that works. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, basically, it's so heaven help me. <laughs> was Tequila and Benetti canceled too soon? Uh, yes, it was I canceled agree. too soon. I, agree. I, I would wanted to see more of Tequila and Benetti. I want to see it turn into this weird, quirky, great thing. That when it seven misfires, seasons. it ricochets and accidentally hits the mark. Oh. <laughs> like, that's the thing. Like, it's actually like kind of an amazing program. And uh, we should give a certain amount of credit because no one was talking about the show before the cinema snob was. Oh, okay, so uh, the so, snob kind so of brought like, it back into the So he's done a lot of video reviews. If you want to see like more footage of Tequila Benetti, because it's not on DVD, mm. you can watch his reviews uh, on Cinema Snob. Is, is that Brad Jones? Is yeah. that Brad Jones? Or yeah. yeah. Uh, and there's a, he, he does a lot of fun stuff with this mm. series. Um, and uh, we need to get Tequila Benetti released on DVD, or at least on streaming, something. There's got this uh, has got to find an no, audience because it's ridiculous. Tequila and Benetti, however, we're we're just talking about Tequila and Benetti that aired. In America. In America. Now, Eight it, went years the, later. it went off the air in 1992 for some reason. Now, it, it was, it stars an Italian cop. Belisario is an Italian guy. Yeah. Evidently, this somehow drifted that direction. Well, I mean, Europe, Europe gets American shows all the time. This and is I true. Think, and I think Tequila Benetti did okay in Italy. And in the year 2000, they decided to reboot the series mm. with Jack Scalia coming back. Reprising his role. But now he's going to Italy... Mm. And he's the fish out of water. He's the American, and then he's he's not Italian enough. <laughs> and he gets a new dog, a new tequila, different dog. Mm. Apparently, uh, from those who have seen it, it's not a remake. It's it, I'm sorry, it's not a sequel so much as it is a, pro- a proper reboot or a spinoff, mm. um, which is why this qualifies for our show. Uh, but we got to track that sucker down. We got to mm. see if he has a, a, a English subtitle. And, and even that one. <laughs> Oh, only lasted season. one season. <laughs> so we can do that too yeah. if we can find it. Yeah. So if you know where we can find Tequila Benetti, the Italian series, mm. let us know. Our email is canceled too soon. One that's with one L, mm. canceled too soon at gmail.com. 
Uh, it's a weird mamma jamma is what yeah, it is. Golly. Tequila Minetti is a weird one. Mm. Um, so that's that's it for this episode of Canceled Too Soon. That was Tequila Minetti, an episode we wanted to do for a long time. <laughs> uh, and uh, do we do we have any emails we wanted uh, to get let, through? Let me look up some of these emails. While you're doing that, mm-hmm. I will remind you that we are on Twitter at CancelCast. We are on Patreon.com slash Canceled Too Soon. Uh, and at Patreon, you can subscribe to various different tiers. Uh, for $5 a month, you get the bonus episode, the Cancel Too Soon monthly movie, in which we review various films. Mm-hmm. Uh, we recently did the Dirty Dancing remake, and Hallmark is doing Christmas in July. Mm-hmm. And so they're, having, they're airing two new Christmas movies in the month of July. And we're going to do a crossover with Linoleum Knife, one of our mm-hmm. favorite podcasts, which stars two of our favorite people, film critics Lonzo Duralde and Dave White. They mm-hmm. have a show on Patreon called Linoleum Knife TV, LKTV. Mm-hmm. We're going to review one Hallmark movie with them on their show, and they're going to review the other one with us on our show. Mm-hmm. So it'll be a bit of a two-parter. It's like that. It's like when Ally McBeal in The Practice did a two-parter. You had to watch both shows in order to get the full content. We're going to be doing mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. later in July. Um, but you can also, uh, you'll get exclusive videos. Well, we have Google Hangouts. We have a prize club in which we send you cool pop culture ephemera. Whitney is still waiting on uh, the last shipment of stuff so that we yeah, can send I, you uh, everything. I, I had to order it to bring to me first, and they're still drif- yeah. drifting through the mail. So they'll, they'll, make, they'll make it to you pretty soon. Yeah. And I'll, I'll tell you all about that soon enough. Yeah. Mm. Um, and a whole bunch of cool stuff, and uh, you, can, you can check that out over there. And you can also take place in polls in which we let you our Patreon subscribers, mm-hmm. help us decide one episode of the show that we do every single month. Uh, the winner of the last poll was a tie. So the next two episodes of our show are going to be Cliffhangers, which was a very bizarre experiment in the late 1970s to do three action-packed series in the same show mm-hmm. at the same time. So it's th- an hour-long show with three different shows in it. One of them is a cowboy sci-fi show, another one is a vampire show, and another one is a plucky reporter and constantly imperiled show called Stop Susan Williams. <laughs> and then the week after that, we're going to be doing the 1980s uh, preteen hacker show, Whiz Kids. You guys love those both so much that we'll, we'll be, we're going to do them decide. both. But the next poll, and the poll will go up tomorrow, mm. uh, you're going to get to pick between four different UPN shows. Because UPN <laughs> was the failingest TV network to ever fail. Yeah. Almost every show they had got canceled after after one season or less. Uh, we've already done one or two UPN shows, but the, your choices are... Mm. Game Over, which was an animated series about a bunch of different video game type characters uh, who live together. Living in a sitcom-like situation, yeah. Haunted, which was a private detective uh, who could see Ghosts series starring Matthew Fox before, uh, after Party of Five, but before Lost. So if this had taken off, he wouldn't have been in Lost. Uh, Legend, which is the other Briscoe County Jr. Very much like the adventures of Briscoe County Jr. Stars, uh, uh, was it Richard Dean Anderson? Richard Dean Anderson. Richard Dean Anderson and from John, Stargate and, and, Mac- and MacGyver. And John DeLancey. Yes. From Star Trek. Uh, they got You know him as Q from Star Trek, but in this series he plays Q from James Bond, but in the Old West. So it's Old West action with sci-fi gadgets. And uh, lastly... Doesn't that sound fun? It does sound fun. I remember liking that show. Yeah. And then there's a show that was the one show when UPN came out, everyone was like, this show is actually really good, mm. uh, is Nowhere Man, which is like... Like the Fugitive Crossed with the Prisoner starred Bruce Greenwood as a photographer who took a photograph he shouldn't have. He goes on dinner with his wife. He goes to the bathroom. And when he comes back, his wife no longer remembers that he exists. And his entire... Not only has his identity been erased, so has his history. No one remembers that he has ever existed. 
and he goes on the run to find out what happened. And, and yeah, there's all kinds of really, really weird shadowy conspiracies throughout yeah. the show. And, and I, I watched it. I liked it a lot, but I never finished it. So yeah. if you vote for that one, you'd be doing me a favor. It was on at the exact same time as Profit. Like, literally, the same uh, oh, hour. Wow, okay. And this is before DVR, so I had to choose. <laughs> so I Nowhere missed, like, the last, like, five episodes of Nowhere Man because I had chosen to watch Profit, and I thought, Nowhere Man's doing rather well. It'll I'll just see the reruns over the summer, and I'll catch up. That didn't happen. Uh, so, yeah, one of those four UPN shows is, is going to be our next So that show. poll will be up at patreon.com slash cancel too soon, and if you're a $5 a month subscriber, you also get the bonus episode, and you get to participate in that poll. Mm. There you go. Great. You want to help out? You want to join us? That's the way to do it. Let me read a letter. Okay. This one comes from Doug. Uh, Hi, Bibbs and Whitney. Hi. I've been enjoying catching up on your first season. (laughs) Oh, we continue onward. This entire entire show is our first season. Yeah. Uh, Two big thumbs up for Wonderfalls for your future podcasting schedule. Yes, definitely going to do it. Yeah, we we got it. We We have it. it. Yeah. Uh, We're just trying to to get in touch with Brian Fuller to come on and join us. It was made in Niagara Falls, just down the road from where I grew up. It was the center of a lecture I did on Karmic TV in a university course I taught about six years ago, along with My Name is Earl, as an an antidote to narcissistic TV, i.e. reality shows and Seinfeld, Mm. like where people are actually trying to do well. Yeah, people people trying Uh, to like give them what they get and make the world a better place. Uh, by the way, apropos of Nightmare Cafe, Ooh. Peter Outerbridge has played a lot of major roles in Made in Canada TV series, Regenesis, Villains in Orphan Black, and Pure about Mennonite drug runners, a very good show. Ooh, and a TV movie fun. a TV movie comedy as a music producer with Kari Wurr as a, di- a dipsy singer where he severely outacted her. <laughs> well, Kari Wurr. Um... He also played the original Murdoch in The Murdoch Mysteries. In my book, he always does a good job in mostly thankless roles. Pure would be another good pick. It was on just last year starring Ryan Robbins. Oh, it's a brand new show. Pure. Okay. We'll okay. add that to the list. Mennonite Drug Runners. That's a, I haven't All seen right. that before. Okay. Yeah. Uh, P.S. I've become fascinated by Man and Machine since I listened to your podcast, <laughs> but I can only find three or four crappy VHS episodes on YouTube. Where did you guys find it? There's a piratey looking DVD on Pandora, but that's all I could find. Uh, PSS, I agree that Perversions of Science should be given a good release. The Kevin Pollack slash Shatner episode is real goofy. At least put it on HBO Go or something. I mean, come on. They always talk about, oh, all of our shows. Well, no, actually. Mm-hmm. You don't see Dream On on there. What the fuck? Tales from the Crypt isn't on HBO Go, and that's a travesty. Tales from the Crypt was one of their big hit shows, it, at least back in the day. It helped define the network. Yeah. It was a big deal. Maybe they, maybe they just can't get like all the rights because of all the different guest stars and then have to pay out different money because they're well, probably big maybe, now. Maybe so. Um, in regards but to where we just get our to, shows... They just need to stop saying <laughs> all, all HBO shows. Uh, in regards to where we get our shows, uh, we have various connections. Mm. We're in Los Angeles. There's a lot of you know different uh, mm. you know video stores that have been collecting this stuff for a long time and they mm. transfer their VHS copies to DVDs mm. and things. Um, however, if you are looking for some of these shows, and, and again, we do not advocate piracy, but yeah, some of these are not available officially on DVD mm. and it's hard. Um, there are stores on like iOffer.com or eBay. Well, uh, it, you you can find this stuff. It's just people recorded them mm-hmm. and they're keeping them for posterity because no one's putting them out on DVD. The, if you have ac- regular access to uh, like pop culture conventions, mm-hmm. there's always that one table. Mm-hmm. Where that you're have, kind of amazed they're still there. Like, like, I don't know how they get away with this, how the, the kibosh has not been put on this. But yeah. yeah, they have a lot of these shows that have never been given proper releases. Yeah. And they have them on DVD. They, and you they can have, buy them, the DVD. have them on DVD and you can buy them there. Um, yeah. 
again, I don't know how legal it is or how much we should advocate for those well, tables. I, I, I don't really advocate it, but yeah. if you do want to know, they do exist. They exist, yeah. Um, and we try to avoid that whenever we can. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's hard to track some of this stuff down. Um, we know people, and we know people who know people. Um, I have actually, one show I really want to do at some point was actually like none, only like a few episodes aired, but they shot a whole season. Mm -hmm. And I happened to run into the executive producer of this program and told them how big a fan I was. And he gave me the DVDs. Like, so like there are people out there, they want their shows to be seen. Mm -hmm. They're out there somehow. Uh, It's It's long and complicated. And each, each instance is kind of specific. Uh, We have a fan who, who works really close to where we live and I actually met him in person to get a a DVD of something we'll probably do for this Halloween. Oh yeah. Uh, But uh, yeah, yeah, we'll get to that one. Yeah. So anyway, it's long, it's complicated, and I'm sorry it's difficult, but that's one of the reasons why we're doing this is so that we we know it's hard to find. Uh, Do one more letter? Sure. Okay, uh, this comes from Kat. To Sibs and Wilney. Okay, Sibs and Wilney, I'll take it. Uh, When running through Kevin McKidd's film... Oh, this is in relation to Journeyman. Uh, One of the best Uh, shows we've ever reviewed. Just a a damn good show that should (laughs) have been canceled. Uh, When going through Kevin McKidd's filmography, you didn't mention Gunpowder, Treason, and Plot. This is an exquisite BBC miniseries, two episodes from 2004, in which McKidd plays Bothwell, the third husband of Mary Queen of Scots. Not Samuel Johnson's biographer. Well, that would be Boswell. But uh, you also mentioned (sighs) the big... very classy, Winnie. You know what? I've read The Life of Samuel Johnson. I'm not scoffing! It's, a, it's 1,100 pages long. I'm going to bring it up. I do that's not, not me being. I'm not scoffing! I'm impressed! That's you're very not, well read! not me being snotty. This, you're going to be great on the schmodown. I'm sure that's going to come up. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> sure, I'm sure, yeah, The Life of Samuel Johnson is going to come up on the movie trivia schmodown. <laughs> now he's having conversations with Fanny Bernie. Name three Fanny Bernie novels. Uh, anyway, she, she writes, uh, you also mentioned The Big Bang Theory a couple of times. This is a show I loathe yeah. because of its portrayal of people in the autistic spectrum. Yep. However, the mention of it reminds me of the superb performance of James Callis from Battlestar Galactica and Austin Land in Flash Forward, which is a show that fits your rules. Uh, I, I think, think we, we have might, it. I think we might have Flash Forward. Yeah, we definitely want to get to that one. Yeah, it's one of the, uh, it's, there was this big sci-fi boom in like the mm-hmm. mid-2000s after Lost mm-hmm. came out, which was like the event or invasion, mm-hmm. and we're going to try to get to all yeah. this. Uh, I didn't see it, but at the time... Uh, I didn't see it at the time, but binged it later and loved the performances. Hope you can get to it eventually. Best wishes, Cat. Definitely uh, on yeah, our list. Yeah, yeah. All right. You already got, got one more? Uh, sure. Great. Let's do it. Uh, this one comes from Topher. How cancelled am I? <laughs> clear, clear, clearly this is somebody who listens to Linoleum Knife uh, yeah a Linoleum Knife if you send them your list of your 10 favorite movies they will review all those movies and depending on how much they approve of those films they will tell you what percent knife you are mm-hmm. and the good. goal is to be 100% knife yeah. uh, how cancelled am I here's my list of top 10 favorite television shows from my life not okay. necessarily the best, but my favorites. These are shows I rewatch repeatedly. As you can see, I'm pretty genre-oriented. Please be kind. Number 10, The Rockford Files. <laughs> Greatest of the classic detective characters grew up watching Rockford. Uh, probably inappropriate for a seven-year-old boy, but hey, 70s parenting, this show is genre-defined. Sure, Rockford's great. Confession? I've never seen it. I, I remember watching it as a kid. Okay. And, and we'll get to more we'll we'll get to more of Rockford as we go on. Alright. Uh, number nine, Star Trek The Next Generation. I grew great. up watching the original series in syndication with my brothers, but Next Gen became my Star Trek. My future wife and I would get around uh, would gather around one of the TVs in her dorm lobby and watch uh-huh. it every week. That's very sweet. Well, uh, uh yeah. Whitney likes Star Trek, in case you haven't noticed. Star Trek The Next Generation was also my jam. It 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 defined my adolescence in a kind of embarrassing way. I love Next Generation. Uh, I like Deep Space even uh, Deep Space Nine even more. Yeah, and, and and I've caught up with all of the other Star Treks uh, kind of recently, actually. How I do realized... they, what's the ranking? 
Rank them. Oh, in in terms of like quality. Yeah, in terms of you need to see these Star Treks. Like what's 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 the best Star uh, Trek down to the worst? Next gen, original, uh, DS9, uh, animated Voyager Enterprise. That's about right. That's the ranking. That's about right. Yeah, I would I would have ranked DS9 a little higher, but that's fine. And my guess. Dead Bottom Discovery. <laughs> really? That's that's my prediction. Ooh, yeah, it's, that's not it's, good. it's not looking good for, that's for not Discovery. Encouraging. But uh, let's see. Uh, number eight, MacGyver, the original. Ooh. Even though many of the solutions stretch credulity, the very concept of solving crimes as science was enthralling. Yeah, it's a fun show. Um, it's a show that became a verb. Uh, number <laughs> seven, Orphan Black. We still have one season left, but this is just innovative, enthralling, amazing acted show. It's in my pantheon already. I saw the first season mm. and I really, really dug it. I've been meaning to catch mm. up with the rest of it, but uh, that's a cool show. Number six, The Murdoch Mysteries, <laughs> a period piece detective show from Canada. It's just so much fun. A straightforward case of the week format, but always clever anachronistic twist. Hmm. Number five, Castle. Nathan Fillion channels his inner 12-year-old better than anyone else on Earth to struck the perfect balance of long-term character development, twisty mysteries, emotional and funny. Twisteries. Twisteries, sure. You should just call it twisteries. Number four, Firefly. From moment one, I was hooked. This show had so much conceptual depth. Number three, bet you can guess, yeah, it's, uh, it's Buffy the Vampire Slayer, yeah. a complex but entirely coherent mythology that serves multiple metaphors and also addictively slangy. I guess you're a Joss Whedon fan, aren't you? Yeah, a lot you? of people are. Yeah. You Joss Whedon people. <laughs> uh, number two, Doctor Who. I started watching the original with Peter Davison's fifth Doctor, eagerly tuned into the 1996 Paul McGann one-shot, and was thrilled when it really did return, which was like 2005. Yeah, around, early 2000s, around there, yeah. yeah. On Christmas Day, we sit down as a family to watch the special every year. While on the surface, it's a Monster of the Week format. They're good at dropping little breadcrumbs throughout the season. Eventually, it'll come back to punch you in the balls. <laughs> Wonderful storytelling. Doctor Who is one of my favorites as well. Uh, when Doctor Who actually tries to tug at your heartstrings, it's impressive how well it does. Yeah. And in fact, uh, the second episode of the Christopher Eccleston run, which mm. was about Doc, the doctor and Rose going to see the end of the world, like literally just the last few seconds before the earth explodes because there's a supernova. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a speech he gives in that show in which he talks about how um, all uh, every time humanity thinks about their future, it's always apocalyptic. Here's how mm-hmm. we're going to die. It never occurs to you that you're going to make it. <laughs> and that came around at exactly the time I needed to hear that. I was in despair at that Oof, moment, actually. Okay. And Doctor Who... Yeah, saved gave, my, gave you some hope. I'm not going to say it saved my life, but kind of, you yeah. know, like it's pretty close. Like mm-hmm. it was really no, it was, gave me a reason little, to soldier little, on. Little bit, a little bit of optimism. Yeah, I, would, I wouldn't be doing this right now if it wasn't for Doctor Who. I can say that oh, okay. pretty safely. Yeah, very so, sweet. Yeah. And what was uh, our number one? Uh, number one, leverage. Interesting. Leverage. This is my one thing on a desert island show. A clever, wholly entertaining, it takes a thief format. It is incredibly fun characters. It's eminently quotable and just plain clever. The whole family has watched this entire series multiple times. It's possibly the most perfect pilot I've ever watched. Wow. Uh, Topher from Seattle. Well, well that's cool. Thank uh, you. How canceled are you? Uh, uh, not in, it, cancel, I, Super canceled would be bad, right? I, I'm not sure. You're not canceled. You're not you're canceled. Not you're fine. You, you're going to keep going. You're going to live gonna, on. We're going to renew you. Today, you you celebrate your cancel too soon day. Mm. Um, so thank you everybody. Thank you for writing in. Uh, we'll read more letters next time. Again, you can email us canceled too soon. Mm-hmm. Cancel with one L at gmail.com. You can send us suggestions for shows that we can do. We don't read all the suggestions on the air because the answer is usually, we'll yeah, get we'll, we'll get to yeah, that. We'll write the, it to the it's list. It's on the list. We read those letters. We add things to the list, but the list is, there's like literally hundreds of shows on it. Mm. And we have people who've sent us shows from Amazon wishlist. And we're trying to get to those as well. Uh, and we're trying to surprise you by showing stuff that you've never seen before. So it's it, it, it's going to take a long time. We're going to be doing this for a long, long time. But thank you for listening. If you're new to the show, uh, 
we're on iTunes. Please subscribe. We're on Stitcher. Please subscribe. Well, uh, write, leave write us, us, a, leave yeah, us a review. Write us a review on iTunes. That really helps us. Uh, yeah, like I, cannot cannot articulate enough how much mm. just star rating and then a quick I like the show or it didn't. I guess you could you could say that too. Be honest. We're <laughs> critics. Yeah, we have to say to be honest. Um, but like seriously, the more reviews you leave, the bigger the show can become. The more people who will find it in their searches. Uh, and uh, the more options we have in the future. Mm. Uh, and again, we're on patreon.com slash cancel too soon for monthly uh, contributions. We do give out exclusive content on a variety of different levels. And again, don't forget, on Tuesday, Whitney and I will be competing on the movie trivia schmodown. We'll send out, send out a link on our Twitter account at mm. cancelcast. Also on our individual accounts, I'm at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. Uh, and uh, we are going to uh, prove our metal. We are going to uh, demonstrate the uh. badassness of us to the world so that they will they will see how good we are at the various things. And we, we, we will win the good. Uh. I got to work on my smack talk. <laughs> I was about to say, well, what, what character is that? I don't even know anymore. <laughs> it's, it's, this, this show is giving me a complex. I have to pretend to be this, this horrible monster and the monster doesn't even know what he's doing. No, um, just tap your inner monster. Ah, re- re- growl, growl, reach, growl, growl. Reach into the darkness. That time you wanted to punch that one guy, just let that breathe. Bring that out. That wasn't nice. Your anger. That wasn't a nice thing. See, you're not doing it. You're not doing it. I know, right. I'm not. This is weird for me. I'm, I'm having trouble you're, tapping into my anger. You have to be not nice. Rivalries are weird for me because I just want everyone to get along. Mm. Like, we did this, this whole, like, big angry thing once on the Schmodown, and afterwards, like, can we just do a group hug? I feel really bad yeah. right now. Um... Yeah, it's it's so a fun on, show. On, on it's Tuesday, a great show. On Tuesday we'll be competing. Watch yeah. that. It, it'll be great. And again, we'll tweet we'll tweet out about that. We'll probably put a link on our Patreon page as well. So thank you everybody for listening. Next week we will be back with cliffhangers, which I cannot wait to talk to you about. Mm. I've I've only seen the pilot so far, but I had so much fun. Yeah. And no one talks about this show. The show is one of the weirder chapters of TV history, and I love it. <laughs> and I hope it keeps going. I hope it stays good because man, cool pilot. Yeah. Um, So thank you everybody for listening, and uh, that's a wrap, folks. We will see you next season.